Metallica, here they come, the kings of metal. Hey, this is Scott Pingle from SNM2, and you're listening to Metal Up Your Podcast. Welcome to Metal Up Your Podcast. I'm Ethan Luck. And I'm Clint Wells. Now I'm Paul Moak. Hey, Paul Moak is here. Give it up for Paul. Sorry, I think I distorted the microphone. That's okay. You peaked the level, bro. Sorry. Yeah, we call that brick walling. If anyone should be familiar with gain staging, <laughs> it's definitely <laughs> Paul Moak, the, the owner of the lovely HQ4 where we are today in the yeah. live room once again. As Paul sits before his Ann Wilson pedal board. It's quite big. If I hadn't known you for a long time, I'd be like, that. what is that, a space station? Like, Remember Davey from uh, Workplay would be like, yeah. Jesus, kid, what is that? A space station, the yeah, Hubble yeah. telescope? Workplay, holy cow, man. Shout out to Workplay in Birmingham, Alabama. Yeah. Is it still still operating? Don't know, never go back to Birmingham. I hope I never see it again. <laughs> I never liked Workplay because it was a very industrial, kind of cold vibe. It felt churchy to I was me. A, I, yeah. was a, I was a, you know, the Nick patient. Yeah, the Nick is awesome. Which is a seedy, seedy, slimy shithole, which, as everyone knows, I love. Yeah. But I've known you long enough to know that this is actually a smaller version of your pedal board. Yes, I'm sizing down. You are si- you're sizing down with all this stuff. <laughs> I'm gonna throw my back out. It is nice to see though. It's like uh, gear nerds. Just this is almost like porn for gear nerds. It really is. So, and, so it's a small space station. In fact, they call it gear porn. <laughs> yeah, yeah. As Clint and I were talking about yesterday, let's just go through the names of some of the gear websites. <laughs> <laughs> One of them I didn't know. They've been me too and had to change. Right, gear sluts. There was gear sluts. Yeah, which is now what gear space. Gear space. It's lame. It's also dead space. No one goes to it. Anymore. Right. It used to be a really <laughs> Like useful resource. I used to go to it every day. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. If there was and some new piece of gear you wanted to get, you would go check it out on there or see what people were talking. Because it was about. big on the plug-in game. Right. That one was like all audio related, mm-hmm. not just guitar. Right. But there was a guitar specific one that was called HugeRacksInc.com. <laughs> which I'd never heard of. And I, I didn't know that one either. Yeah. I said, well, I've never heard of that one, Paul. And you were like, yeah, well, I was on it. Yeah. Someone, <laughs> Paul's rig was featured it was, on it. Pe- people would like put pictures of just huge rack rigs. <laughs> On there, and then talk about what was in it. Well, that's what he said. He was like, you know, like those rigs from the 80s with huge racks. And right. I said, didn't you used to have one of those? Yeah. And you were like, yeah, I was on that was website. On <laughs> yeah. I'm also on, it was like mandolin.net, something like that. Mandolin.net. Mandolin. 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 It was just about people that played Is that from the Plum days? It was from Over the Rhine. Over the Rhine. Yeah. Wow, wow. Well, this is before I knew you, but I've been putting the pieces together for you because I've stalked you for quite a while. <laughs> Because if I wear your skin, do I become you? Yeah. You grew up like me, and I think Ethan too, but I'm not quite as sure about Ethan. In but Southern California? <laughs> yeah, fish tacos. But you're a U2-obsessed guy, as I am. And I yep. know that you grew up watching The Edge. The Edge always had those two racks on stage yep. behind him. Yep. And like during the Vertigo tour, he had the little Vertigo stripes. Right. Were you trying to basically build that? Like, why did you have a rack? How did that happen? I can say this looking back now. Right. It was my version of a studio before I had a recording studio. It was like... Like, what was in it? Was there was there outboard gear? Was there, there was a tape machine? There was outboard gear? Did you have, like, a real compressors and stuff? Like, real EQ? It was mostly pedal-centric, but I had, like, an SDD 3000, which The Edge was 
famous for. Right. And you had one of those ground controls. Yeah. Because the Edge basically had all of his individual pedals like on top of his two racks. Mine were in drawers right. in the rack. Right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. What do you do when something goes wrong with that? You're locked in. So if something goes wrong, you go down. Because then you're putting that stuff in a trailer or a truck where it's just rattling all day. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, I had times where that happened. I was on tour one time and my tech came and he's like, dude, your your rack fell off the loading dock when we were pulling it off the truck or whatever. Ooh, that's and, a long fall. Yeah, and it was, and they're like trying to put it all back together. It was overkill. It was me being a session player on the road and wanting to have every tool, every tool available. Mm-hmm. But I learned from that kind of stuff. So, like this pedal board, the very first pedal that you go in, everything that's on the board is in two loops. Yeah. So if something goes down, you have a way out. You can go straight to the amp. Yeah, you have a way out. That's yeah. cool. The very first time I ever heard about Paul Moak ever in my life, someone's like, "Oh, do you know Paul Moak?" This is my first move here. I was like, no, I don't. He's like, he's the guy that plays for like three computers on stage. (laughs) I did have... That's what I was told. I did have a laptop rig at one time where there was a rack and the the laptop was synced to a uh, hard disk recorder that we were using for tracks for the show. Yeah. Not tracks like for the people on stage, like additional programming, stuff like that. And so it would change my patches as the show went along. It was MIDI. You had it all MIDI'd out. Don't tell Eddie Trunk, man. Yeah. I'll get pissed. It was also... There was a time where it was cool to see how far you could take these like very like caveman type pedals and make it work in a more electronic way. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Well, like, we were, I'm always a guitar player that was trying to sound like a keyboard player, right? Well, you were also, we share so many of the same influences, but you were also listening to Radiohead and you too. Radiohead was huge. And that's, that's going to, if you're a gear guy and you play guitar, and you like OK Computer, right? you're going to start putting all of those pieces together. Mm-hmm. Here's the influences. And they all have huge racks, ink, rigs. <laughs> <laughs> what about their gear, though? Anyway. Number one, David Gilmore. Boom. The yeah. VOG. Edge. Edge. Johnny Greenwood and Ed O'Brien. Uh-huh. I would throw, for me personally, Michael Lockwood in there. He played with Amy Mann. And, uh, I, thought John, I thought it was John Bryan, but I know who you're talking about. John Bryan did... He produced, he produced all that, that stuff. stuff. Yeah. Uh, actually, he actually produced one of Amy Mann's records that I really love. But he was also Fiona Apple's touring guitar player. And he had this amazing rig that I just fell in love with. Right. A bunch of quirky, weird sounds. Nice for shouting out Ed O'Brien, too. That he does not yeah. get a lot of love. We were doing a great job of making this a quick... We have a hard out today, <laughs> which in the biz means we have a time we really need to finish by. Yeah. And we were just starting off with a lot of gear talk. A lot of gear talk, really avoiding Lulu. Yeah, Which, I was by say. the way, this is episode 314. We're doing Lulu Part 2. Welcome to the episode. Yeah. Give it up for Lulu. Here we go. But uh, it's been a few weeks. We're excited to be back We're here with an HQ3 with Paul. Uh, we, we can't do Part 2 without you, so here we are. This is a weird one. Have I ever done a daytime episode with you guys? I don't think so. I don't think so. You've, it's all, only been at night either here or at HQ1. Yeah. Yeah, wild. Yeah, I got well, a different drink in my hand today. Well, listen, we're doing it, okay? <laughs> I think the only time we do night episodes has been with you in the last, like, two years. Really? We don't do night episodes anymore. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Well, actually, we did a daytime episode in... Uh, in my car? Hockey Town, uh, USA? Then, well, the, both of those, but in... Where were we? Kansas? No, Iowa. Oh, yeah. Oh, Iowa. Oh, with, in you my hotel with the dogs. Yeah, that's right. Who let the dogs out, by the way? <laughs> nice. Uh, All right, well, we're going to do Lulu. Um, I did want to say, because, uh, you know, a lot was said last time we got together to talk about this. 
I'm not looking forward to it. I'm glad we're here together. Yeah. I feel like I'm about to go through something, and yeah. I'm just glad I'm going to have my buddies. But I will say this. I was encouraged by a couple of people in the Discord to actually check out Lulu, Lulu, <laughs> Lulu, to check out Lou Reed's more popular records. Yeah. I did, and they're real fucking good. The, yeah. t- the two that I listened to Berlin last night, the two I want to talk about are Transformer and Berlin. Transformer is the one that has Take a Walk on the Wild Side, mm-hmm. which, by the way, having listened to this record like three times now, that song is the only song that sounds like that on the record. Yeah. Right. And it's a really strange recording. Yeah. First of all, how about him saying all the color girls say? Yeah. Uh, yeah, totally. And when you listen to that with cans on, I was I was driving my family back from Thanksgiving break. I had a lot of time. Wife's listening to a podcast. I just had my old headphones in. So I spent a lot of loud volume time in headphones with Lou Reed. Yeah. Great songs, very interesting recordings. That recording in particular, really strange. Yeah. Those do 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 they start real low and then they get really loud. And that's the record that Bowie produced, right? Bowie and and Mark Ronson. That's right. And they're reverby and then they get they go dry. They get dry. It's like really strange decisions. And the first two songs are fine. The song that really clicked for me, this is really wanna wanna bring this up, where I was like, holy shit, this is legitimate. Is there's a song in there called Perfect Day, which I've never heard. Mm-hmm. You guys know that song? Yeah. yeah. It keeps me hanging on. I just watched this horror movie on Hulu. I'm going somewhere with this. Called okay. Fresh. In which a woman befriends a guy on a date. He seems like a great guy. He's attractive. He's really sweet to her. Turns out he's capturing women, enslaving them, and cutting off parts of their bodies and selling them to rich people who like to who are cannibals. That's what Fresh <laughs> is about. Okay. An amazing 80s soundtrack. Like... I, I was shazamming the whole movie. Yeah. And they're all like, I mean, I, your boy, wherever you go, he was on there. I hate yep. to say it. Peter Cetera. One of the songs I shazam was the song called Perfect Day, and it came up, Duran Duran. So here Whoa. I am thinking like, oh, Duran Duran has a song called Perfect Day. I have a new favorite Duran Duran song. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I'm listening to Transformer by Lou Reed from 1972 in my car with my wife. Perfect Day comes on. And it's that song. And I'm like, holy shit, they were covering Lou. Wow. I went, and I'm like, surely he co-wrote this. Yeah. Surely he did not write this by right. himself. He did. Wow. And then there's a song on there that you, I don't know about you, so I'm not, I don't know where to put you in the U2 world. I know you're a massive U2 fan. I love, I love I'm going to give myself the award right now of being a bigger U2 fan than both of you put together. I would agree with that. Satellite of Love, which is a song they covered a lot in the 90s, didn't know. Lou Reed song from wow. Transformer. Wow. Okay. So my mind's starting to get blown. I check out Berlin. It's even better. Yeah. Darker, stranger, but better. Damn. So I'm going to go into part two of Lulu with kind of a newfound appreciation for what he actually is capable of. Right. Okay. Because before I was like, this is just all kind of bullshit. Yeah. Right, right, right. Well, he's capable of not doing that at a pretty high level. Yeah. And he wrote all those songs. It's not like David Bowie gave him some like throwaway Bowie shit. Mm Mm-hmm. And he like did some New York art stuff over it. Right. He like knows how to write great songs. Yeah, that's amazing. Well, I'm, here we go. I don't know if that changes anything for you guys. Well, I'm gonna. I definitely know when I head home, I'm gonna listen to one of those two records because I really highly recommend it. Yeah, yeah. Transformers the more accessible one. Yeah, but the Berlin one. I listened to it last night when I went to bed. It starts out with the song called Berlin, piano song, real weird. What's the beautiful. one that really turned everybody off? Metal music. Metal music machine. Yeah. It, yeah, it's just droney these feedback. Were, these were before that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The Metal Music Machine is just literally droney feedback for an hour. Wow. It, nev- <laughs> it, it, does. it never changes. It's like that uh, so, Smashing Pumpkins record. A door? the Z. Oh, oh Zeitgeist? Zeitgeist? No, I'm thinking of something else. I think, are you thinking of the band Zwan? I, it's one of the Pumpkins records, and they went and played the whole record top to bottom in like Asheville, North Carolina, and made a documentary about it. And it's like, Well, they did the residency there when they first got back together, because yeah. I, I went to one of those shows. But they were just playing like normal three-hour sets, no opener, but a lot of weird shit in there. Yeah, well, one of them, they played like a 45-minute song. Yeah. See, I'm a huge Dave Matthews Band fan. I don't know if you guys knew that. 
Wait, Dave, is that, are you talking about David J. Matthews? David J. Matthews, yeah. Okay, okay. I don't even want to hear that guy play a song longer than eight minutes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He once did a 28-minute version of the song number 41, and wow. it's like a famous version where everyone's like, dude, can you believe it? Can you imagine being there? I'm like, yeah, it sounds like I would have been bored out of my fucking mind. Right. Yeah, that, that's where you, you could take multiple pee breaks and go get multiple I don't want to see a 29-minute, we're, we're about to get into like a 19-minute version of a song here on Lulu Part 2. <laughs> yes, we are. <sighs> yes. I, but I also want to say what you reminded me of, one of my happiest moments where I saw, I don't know how I got the alert, Daniel Lenoir finally producing Neil Young, Two Goats. A Tale of Two Goats. Do you remember this record? Is that the one they did only on Full Moons? It's called La Noise. Yes. Yeah, yeah, that's the one. So I'm thinking, oh my God, my favorite producer, one of my favorite artists. Yeah. He's going to get the Dylan treatment because Daniel Lenoir is like one of the guys that really sonically wrangled Dylan. Mm-hmm. He did Time Out of Mind and Oh Mercy. Dylan's best records in my opinion. Yeah. yeah. Post, post the 60s, which are on another planet. Right. His record with Neil Young, it's called La Noise. And For it's a just reason. them... It's just Neil, Daniel, and Neil playing electric the whole time. Droney feedback. Yep. I'm yeah. like, God damn yeah, it. Yeah, I remember. I remember trying to get into it. And Huge swing and struggling. Miss. Come on. Hard to get into a bunch of crap. <laughs> it, is, it really is. <laughs> it's just hard. It is. Well, again, we have a hard out, and we are really not moving through this, are we? Ethan, you've got some news points here. I do, yeah. I got to say, I just did a podcast with my friend Katie, and there was a big Fortnite combo in there, too. So okay. I'm, I guess I'm learning a lot about Fortnite. Do your kids play Fortnite? Are you kidding me? Yeah, my my nephews. That's all they do. Is okay, they've kind of moved out of Fortnite into Roblox, which I guess is the I've mi- heard of middle Roblox. school version of. Okay, which I always heard that is Roadblocks. That's what I but just it's, heard. It's Roblox. R O B L O X. Oh, Roblocks. Okay. My son, uh, it's been a, a struggle. He has a desktop, right, and he's got a Roblox account. I guess when he was setting it up, he already had it on his iPad. When he was setting it up. It came to some screen that said enable two-factor authentication, right? So when you log in, it wants to send a code to your your other device, right? Right. right. And in a hurried effort to play the game, he just blew past all the prompts. Mm. One of the prompts is put these codes in a safe place so that if you get locked out of your account, (laughs) you can get back in. And uh, so now he's locked out of his Roblox, and I can't figure out how to get him back in. I spent oh, like no. two hours on it. That's Sunday. almost like the same version of like taking the batteries out of your kid's toy that makes the annoying sound. Yeah. Like, Daddy, it doesn't work anymore. You're like, I don't know what happened, but you were right. like, stroke of midnight. <laughs> you're like a, the evil villain taking the batteries out. Yeah, totally. Just petting the batteries like a cat. <laughs> <laughs> like so, Mr. Bigglesworth. So now Metallica, which we, we're way beyond Kill Bon Jovi, because now Metallica's yeah. involved with, Ro- or with uh, Fortnite. With huh? Roblox. Yeah, maybe they will. But it, well, the, the news is the popular Fortnite video game adds new Metallica Master Puppets emoti. Is that how, do you know this? What this is an emoti? God, we sound so old. I what know. is emoti? I think it's basically there's like character. So basically, during gameplay, character avatars can utilize emotes to exhibit short actions such as dance, celebration moves, and things of that nature. Now gamers can use the Fortnite V Bucks currency, roughly three dollars and fifty cents, to unlock the Master of Puppets emoti, <laughs> which allows up to four avatars in. Uh, in all to jam on the title track to Metallica's historic 1986 album. Now, we are officially old because I don't give know what this is or give a shit. Right. Right? I, I really don't understand. There's an onion here, right? Yeah. Number one, we don't understand what this is. Let's right. just admit it. We don't know what it is. <laughs> right. But here's the even worse layer. Here's the worst part of the onion, or the better part. No desire to learn. Right. Yeah. No desire to understand. Yeah. Here's what I, I pictured when you said that, and this is probably totally wrong, but like when you're scrolling through Instagram and someone's got a story... And like on the story, there's a little cartoon character that, you know, or, or mm-hmm. like an ha- emoji or happy Saturday. <laughs> yeah, that, that's like a, that's a gif. 
<laughs> God, we sound so old, dude. That's a graphic. So this says once you unlock it for roughly three fifty, you got to have your V bucks. Well, everybody knows yeah. that. Oh, everyone knows what V bucks. Everyone's showing yeah, up on V bucks because we're in this crypto economy. You can unlock the Master Puppets emote, which allows four other avatars to jam. So yeah, on puppets. So I watched. There was a little video clip in this article, and basically. While you're playing the game, because you play with your friends and stuff like that in, in the online community, you can meet up at like this garage and unlock that, and then all of a sudden uh, you, your characters are playing Master of Puppets. Okay. Gotcha. That's right. cool. Yeah. So kind of fun. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, we do sound old. We almost sound like we're... We end our lives <laughs> most. Oh, I want to talk about that. I've been thinking about that. Because we... We'll let Paul hear it without me talking over it. We have the, the actual stem of Dave from the sessions doing Dawn Patrol. Let's do the long one. We end our lives most... In the dark of Dawn Patrol. Uh-uh. <laughs> he made those sounds, dude. We were like, why is he making kissy sounds? And then we realized he's making the sound of a mole. What do you think, Paul? <laughs> first, first reaction. Hot take. <laughs> the sound of a British mole. <laughs> but you know how I've always talked about, like, he doesn't really know how to talk. His syntax is all fucked yeah. up. We end our life as mole. Like... It should, it should be we end our lives. Yeah. If you're going to use the we, you have to pluralize the yeah, verb. Right. As moles. But he's, I think he does say moles, but he, does say, he says we end our life. Yeah. Not I end my life. Right. Or yeah. we end our lives. Yeah. We end our life as moles. We end our life so as moles. So on top of the absurdity of that song, it's also grammatically incorrect. Yeah. <laughs> it is. And he's faking some weird he's accent. He's faking an accent. We were joking last week that it was kind of like the medieval guy, you know? The what? The medieval voice. That oh, yeah, 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 do it over the medieval music again, because this yeah, is yeah. just worth repeating. Again, we do have a heart out today, but here we go. <laughs> we end our life as in the dark of dawn patrol. Listen to the kissies. <laughs> Dude, that's like some Princess Bride stuff. Marriage. (laughs) I love you as you wish. (laughs) Yeah, oh, that's what it is. As you wish. I can't believe I just screwed that up. What did you say? I love you. I love you. (laughs) (laughs) I love that you went for it. Oh, gosh. I'm the king of ruining the joke. No, dude. I wouldn't quite say that. You're the prince of it. If only you had your own emoti, then you'd be fine. (laughs) I know, dude. Can you unlock that emoti for a couple of V? What's your V Buck stock portfolio like? 0.00. Strong to quite strong. Well, moving on here, uh, speaking of things that we don't understand in the world of technology, uh, an AI reviewed Metallica's Master of Puppets calling Lars's drumming on the record uninspired. <laughs> so <laughs> a robot said that? Yes. <laughs> I had to include this because it's so ridiculous. So here was the AI. Now, th- there is another portion of this where the AI complimented Cliff Burton's bass playing. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> but the AI feedback says, Orge's playing on the album is often described as sim- simplistic and uninspired, lacking the complexity and skill of other drummers in the thrash metal genre. His performances on songs like Battery and Leopard Messiah are particularly underwhelming with repetitive basic patterns that fail to elevate the music. Stupid robot. Additionally, Ulrich's decision to use a lot of triggered, artificial-sounding drum sounds on the album has aged poorly and detracts from the overall listening experience. This is particularly noticeable on tracks like Master Puppets and Damage Incorporated, where the drum drums lack warmth and punch. In short, while Master Puppets is an important album in the history of Metallica and thrash metal genre, the drumming of Lars Ulrich is a weakness that holds back from being a truly great record. Dude, well, were they using samples in 86? I doubt it. 
I mean, that'd be a Michael Wagner question. Michael. 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 Paul keeps him in one of these back rooms. He's Michael. Dude, my engineer, Zach, and I have this conversation all the time. I feel like around 2015 or 2014 that the world just started really going in the wrong direction. And I don't like any of this. Oh, well, I don't either. Well, here's the, well, you ready for some bad news? Yeah. Tip of the iceberg, and it's coming hardcore, and it's going to be a lot worse than a robot evaluating batteries. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. You think, you think the momentum on this is slowing? Yeah. This is the beginning. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think so, too. It's just pretty wild that a computer can analyze that and, and give feedback. Well, here's what it must have also done. It's is also like, incorrect. I, I think it also had to have analyzed like a lot of criticism. It probably did. My guess is the AI machine, whatever this, again. It went through like reviews and stuff. Yeah. It probably goes through everything. Like uh, There's some algorithm built in this machine that goes through the music, reviews. Like it did it write stuff. this based on hearing battery one time. Right, right, exactly. Uh, how would it say that it lacks the complexity and skill of other drummers in the thrash metal genre. Right. A computer wouldn't know that. Right, right, right. Unless someone told it The computer probably pulled that quote from a exactly. review. Yeah. It's kind of like when, when they'll have like AI things. Like, like There was one that went around a couple years ago that's like, AI writes Metallica songs. Yeah. Right. And it was just like, it's pulling words from all over the internet and stuff like that, whatever. But There was one that, that uh, AI wrote a Nirvana song, and, it, and I kind of dug it. <laughs> How about this new AI technology? They just did this with Lux Eterna. Where they solo the drums. So someone with the AI technology, the same kind that Giles Martin's using to separate tracks uh-huh. from tape for the Beatles, mm-hmm. they were able to take the drums out of Lux Eterna. That's crazy. So crazy. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that technology... Maybe they could put the bass in on Justice for All. No one's tried that yet. Justice yeah. for Jason. <laughs> <laughs> it is wild, that technology, though. Like watching that Giles Martin interview where he's like, they were able to take the mono recordings and separate all, and it's like insanely good quality. Yeah. Even the robots are Lars haters, these fucks. <laughs> I know, right? It's like the whole thing is not even uh, focused on the point of mm-hmm. the art. Yeah, and it's surprise, surprise, a robot doesn't get it. Right. These are four dudes who wrote a record and got in a room and made music, and the right. sound of them together is the sound of this album, and that's what's magic. It hit everybody at a certain time in 86. It was really important, and they're some of the best songs ever. Yes. Right. The robot's like, Contrary to um, the um, thrash genre elite, um, it's uninspired and it fails to elevate the music. It's like fuck you, robot. And, and uh, actually, the samples they use don't age well. Like on songs like Master of Puppets, like well, uh, and, bye. And the other thing is, is, is a computer going to be able to be subjective? Because art is subjective, right. right? Well, this computer is really only just regurgitating things that other subjective opinions have. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Canceled. Move on. Yeah. yeah. Bye. 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 All right. <laughs> hey, we got some new patrons this week. I'd like to give them a shout out real quick. Big Danny Cool. Big Danny. <laughs> Big Danny Cool. That's actually Danny Derry Berry. Danny. Andrew Lindbergh and Brad Blazik is back on the Patreon. Welcome back, Bradley yeah. Got to hang with Brad Blazik a couple days ago. We did. Yeah. Nice to see him. Uh, we're on all the socials. You know what they are. We have a party coming up on January 14th. That's right. Not the 17th, which I mistakenly said last week. No, it's the 14th. <laughs> Paul Moak will be there. I will be there. Paul Moak is the new owner of a Paul shirt. Yep. You should wear that just so everyone knows it's you. <clears throat> right. Well, that's what I was going to say. Can you wear your a shirt with your own name on it? I think you have to. In this situation, you absolutely should. There might be someone that doesn't know what you look like. Somehow. I don't know how yep. that's possible, but then they're going to be like, hey, that's probably him. I just hope that people would understand I'm doing it ironically. How are you going to not wear that shirt? You have to wear that I know. shirt. <laughs> I'm wearing the Beanstalk shirt. Or right. maybe the Joyce's shirt. I haven't decided yet. Yeah. yeah. Well, we have a lot of options. We do, man. And everyone needs to wear their Metal Up Your Podcast shirt to the party. Yeah. Yep. Don't be too cool. Don't be too cool to not do it. Do you want to be in a big group photo? 
Maybe there's maybe there'll be ten Paul shirts, and you can have a big group photo with a bunch of Paul shirts. Now that would be cool. Now we're talking. Now we are talking. Easiest way to get a hold of us is our email address. It's metalupyourpodcastshow at gmail.com. Got to put that show in there, baby. If you don't put that show in there, who knows what's going to happen? And uh, we're going to check in now. Get some. These is these are a lot of the emails we got from the first Lulu episode. Right. Cool. Plus a little bit of questions about the sort of Taylor Swift debacle, and people want to know what you think about the new song. Oh, cool. So let's check into the email corner, and uh, we'll be back. Let's go. Okay, our first email is from the governor, Michael Grovner. He says, greetings and salutations. So I'm, I'm giving Lou the old college try again with you fellows. Uh, one, uh, one thing that I'm, I'm sinking my teeth into is the production. We all know the problems with Death Magnetic. Lulu sounds great and really is foreshadowing the sound we'd get in many spots on Hardwired. Really good drum and guitar sounds and the mix breathes. That I can get behind. By the way... Detachable penis. Like, <laughs> I forgot we talked about that. <laughs> it sounds like a it sounds like Mustaine doing spoken word. Yep. This is much like listening to an interview of his. Cheers from the governor's mansion from Michael. See, my theory is the album is really so bad, and it's hard to talk about how bad it is because we like the band so much. Yeah, and so now we're like, well, you know what? It sounds good though. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, all right. I mean, yeah. we're giving it points. Like, it, well, it should sound good. Mm. You sure, know, you're going to make an album. Yeah, I mean, what you're going to make it sound bad. It's a tough thing because on this one, it's like, well, it sounds good, but the songs are terrible. But then you have Death of Magnetic, where like, it doesn't sound great, but the yeah. songs are really good. Yeah. Right. And I think, I think song is king. I agree. I totally agree. I think that you could remix Death Magnetic and it would sound incredible. Yeah. It was recorded well. Mm-hmm. How do it have been? Well, I've, I've heard them say that it was recorded brickwalled and that that's why the mastering engineer wasn't able to do much. The mastering engineer got a lot of the blame. Well, I think the mixes came to the mastering engineer brickwalled. Ah, so you're saying that. It wasn't recorded hot. It was mixed hot. That's my theory. Sensibly, you could open up those um, the tape or whatever they right. did and kind of start from scratch and... And remix it. Talk about this real quick. When someone like James Hetfield plays through his diesel or whatever he mm-hmm. plays through, or a version of Boogies and Diesels, what does it mean when, when producers reamp stuff? Because surely they're doing all that kind of stuff too. Yeah. Uh, there's several reasons for reamping. One would be... In that kind of a situation, along with the amped guitar, you would take a direct signal off the guitar through a DI. That you can then feed through another amp. That Well, that would go into Pro Tools. That you can control and sculpt. So you, you could play your part and then go in and edit it. Like we've seen Lars editing the drums like boom, boom. You know, remember yeah. when he's pointing at the screen? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, Move this over here. Yeah. And you can... Fuck. <laughs> The that was man. actually really. You had like the the accent perfect. I'm just sitting here, and I just keep thinking, "Fuck, fuck, <laughs> fuck." You can edit it, get it feeling like you want it off that direct signal, because it's hard to it's hard to get transients from an amped guitar because the amps saturates, right? Would you reamp the guitars on Death Magnetic? No, I think they're I think they're great. So you would just start from scratch, and make sure it wasn't all brick walled. Right. I would take I would just open up the sessions, take a look to the, at the files and be like, this was recorded well, let's just remix it. Yeah. And like add the the sauce to James's vocal. Yeah. And, a little too dry. And the the bigness to Lars's drums. I absolutely know. love whatever Greg does to James's vocals. Yes. It's like a really interesting obviously there's reverb but it's not too much. It's not right. like he's like a cure record. But he's also got a pretty cool little delay. Yep. You hear it a lot on Lux, Eterna. Yep. I hear it mostly on Moth. 
mm-hmm. blacked out. You can kind of, in headphones, you can kind of hear that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Real simple delay that you probably can't even hear if it was like on the radio. Yeah. In my opinion, on Hardwired, a lot of the effects are like similar to what you would hear live, you know, yeah. if you go see them. Yeah. It's like, there's probably like a stereo verb. There's an eventide patch called Magic Air that everyone uses on lead vocals that basically delays the right and left side and then pitches one up, you know, by 12 or 15 cents what? and one down. Is that like a plugin you can buy? Yeah. Shoot, I've never heard of that. Yeah, yeah. Whoa. And it's a it's just a vocal widener. Hmm. Uh I use it on every mix. Dang. Uh like 12 cents as in as in like the the, the actual pitch. Like the, the pitch. next the next semi It's almost up. like a chorusing right. but it makes it sound like a double. Wow, right. that's cool. Yeah, and and the thing you want to do is you don't have it as equal volume with the vocal cuz then it would sound like slap back. Too weird, yeah. You bring it up just where it makes the vocal have that width and breadth wow you're not actually hearing the i gotta effect. go hanging out with paul because like yesterday he played this mellotron on one song and i was like well, i have to buy that now a thousand dollars i know right how much is this plug-in i don't know i'm using the hardware unit because oh. i'm hardwired to self-destruct oh amazing uh, <laughs> <laughs> but i know that that eventide plug-in exists and everyone says it sounds just like the the hardware yeah, the hardware unit. Yeah. Okay, right on. Thank you for uh, the email, Michael. Cosmo Moritz says, thank you guys for being brave enough to listen to Lulu. This is my first time revisiting it since I purchased it at release. I remember being excited for it because I enjoyed their performance of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame gig. Two things stand out to me that I can't stop thinking. Oh, he says, I can't stop thinking of Lars from Some Kind of Monster saying, it sounds stock. <laughs> he says, that's how I feel about the majority of the music here. As for Lou, I can't get Grandpa Simpson out of my head. It's just a mumbling old man. Listen, do you guys? He says, "Listen to it made it." Oh, listening to you guys listen to it made it an enjoyable shared experience. Yeah, it's like going through wartime. I mean, you can want to do it with your buddies. Uh, you want to have somebody to do it with. Yep. But I agree. I don't think the mu- I think the music's okay. I, I feel like I'm tempted to overpraise the parts of it that kind of work because it's on general such a tough experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Totally. Well, but, you know, they're doing Iced Honey, and they're just playing, like, a D and a G over and over, you know? It's like, small town girl! It's like, <laughs> the eighth minute of that, you're like, okay. Yeah. Got it. We got it. Okay. Yeah, for sure. But I do agree that the recording does sound good. It does, yeah. It just does. It unfortunately does not make it a good album. Whoever it was, I think it was you, Ethan, that, that was like, I just picture, like, you know, the Grandpa Thanksgiving. <laughs> How you doing, Grandpa? I want to cut my tits off and run into a Gatling gun, and I want to eat a sandwich with Poetry Corner with Emily Dickinson. It's like, wow. Wow, Grandpa. Someone put the football game on quick. <laughs> no more spiked eggnog for Grandpa. Uh, that's funny. You can't catch a butterfly and a bee. <laughs> You can't get a butterfly in a jar. You can't play backgammon on the back horse of a crawdaddy league. You can eat a sprig of sprawls. You can eat a matchbox car. You can take a sandwich to the dollopy. Who actively despises who, you. Who actively despises you. I can't tell if the, you're just making that up if those are actual lyrics. You want me to keep going? Here's another, here's another outtake from Lulu. There's a farm where a girl licks a lollipop from hell. She eats a sandwich that turns into a moonbeam. I have a diaper on. <laughs> Cut the huggies. Dude. <laughs> the huggies are full. The huggies are full. Yeah. Which pampers <laughs> actively despise you? It's like we could play a game like Lulu Lyric <laughs> exactly. or, or Deranged nursing home dude we i don't think we can figure that out today because again there's a hard out that yeah. we're 
actively not paying attention to. Um, but we should definitely make that a future segment. Is this or is this not a Lulu yeah. lyric? Yeah. Lulu lyric or deranged nursing home. <laughs> Lulu lyric or outtake right. from one flew over Lulu lyric nest. or Lulu lemon. <laughs> All right, next email. I believe Paul's going to read the next. Paul's email. up. Yeah, Maddie Bruin. Hey, fellas, and Paul. Paul. Oh? Oh. Yeah, here I am. Just my two nickels for the Lulu album. As I said earlier, this this album is a Lou Reed album, Metallica backing, and should be heard as such. I stand by my comment, and it makes a little more listenable. Going into Lulu with Metallica ears will ruin it for you, but as an artistic statement, it says a lot. Whether you like a piece of art or not is never the point. It's what it does to you that's the payoff. I like that. Uh, I personally love the, love music in general, everything from easy digestible pop to hits to weird stuff, like those frayed ends of Pink Floyd and the Beatles, etc. And then in parentheses he says, While I get Paul I while I get why Paul, John, and Yoko did their mini freak out sessions on the Get Back documentary, after ten seconds of it, you're done. I can only chalk my interest in Lulu and Saint Anger because they are challenging. Obviously, I love the classic hits, but after a while, I get bored, and I'm always looking for stuff uh, for a palate cleanser. This sort of stuff I listen to from time to time to do that. It gets me through a creative rut, and I'm back at it again with fresh ears. Anyway, can't wait for part two. Well, guess what? Here it is. You're not waiting anymore. The wait is over. I think those are Cheers, all good points. Maddie. Yeah. yeah. He, he, he's saying that, like, yeah, it's challenging, and that in itself is is valid. And that's why you can't get rely on AI to critique your drumming. That's why you can't put a butterfly in a jar. <laughs> <laughs> despises you. <laughs> that actively despises you. I slutty. <laughs> yeah, I agree with that. But I feel like when he says after the 10 seconds of the Paul and Yoko thing, he's like, well, you know, I feel like he kind of almost like... Negates what he just said. Yeah, well, because it's like, okay, it's an artistic expression and that's interesting and it's challenging. But after 10 seconds, what do you do? You turn it off. Yeah, yeah. right. I mean, I'm a huge John Lennon fan and a huge defender of Yoko. But watching her scream in a bag, yeah, bye, 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 yeah. bye, bye. No, thank you. <laughs> Can't do it. <laughs> exactly. Thank you, Matt, for the email. Next email is Jordan Smith from Tim Brown. Timmy. Oh, Tim Brown, who, by the way, everyone knows, has designed a lot of our great T-shirts and stuff like that. So thank you to Tim for yeah. that. Fun side fact about the Velvet Underground for the next part of the Lulu Saga. They played their first ever gig at my high school in good old Summit, nothing other than New Jersey. New Jersey. Wow. So the first, yeah, we're, we're, we're old Tim went to high school. I bet the essence of the Velvet Underground was still there when Tim attended. Remember, this is the band where the drummer quit before their first gig because doing a gig itself was selling out. <laughs> selling out, yeah. <laughs> doing a gig at a high school in New Jersey oh, is selling out. Dude. Man, this is bullcrap. Fuck this. <laughs> All right, Samuel M. Redson says, hope you're well. Haven't written in for a while. Still on the Patreon train. Thank you. Still listening every week. Still loving it. He's loving it. I'm, I'm loving it. I uh, appreciate you doing the Lord's work, burning down Lulu. I remember giving it a go when it first came out, and I couldn't get past the second <laughs> song. But I do sincerely admire the boys for taking the big swing, even if, I didn't, even if it didn't work out. Now there's no better way to listen to it than with you guys inserting Third Eye Blind into it. <laughs> I, forgot I forgot about that. we did that. Do, 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 do. Do, 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 do. Same three chords can make me cry. You were back in a moment. <laughs> yeah, you had the beginning. It's like our <laughs> gen- butterfly a job. No, I think I said uh, doing crystal method making you uh, lift you up until you break. You can't stop. It's it's our <laughs> is it our version of it's the end of the world as we know it. Like right. where you only know like see how we see those side of the boat. Yeah, you just get the first little bit. Like, do you know more of the lyrics? Uh, she's uh, back no. and she's moving. Said <laughs> said she just let the eraser. Boot motivator. She goes up and she goes down on me. Yeah, it is totally like 
We just know the little bit. She's yeah. back. Yeah, she's moving. It's, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know it. Isn't there a sky was gold? <laughs> <laughs> the sky was cold. Uh, oh, All right. It says, anyway, because you've got the great Paul Moke on, it reminded me I've been meaning to write in and ask him a question. Ooh. A brief background first. A little while ago, I played guitar at a wedding ceremony, and the last song the couple requested was All the People Said Amen by Matt wow. Marr. When I looked at the chord chart, I noticed he had a co-writer, none other than Mr. Paul Moke. The other musicians looked at me like I was crazy when I excitedly said, he's this guy who's on a Metallica podcast I listen to. <laughs> But I got a kick out of it anyway, and it was fun. It was a fun little song to play to end a wedding ceremony. But it did make me curious about something. You've talked a lot about how, as a producer, Paul plays a key role in shaping songs and arrangements for the artists. So I'm wondering what it takes for that to become a songwriting credit. Mm. Is it about the level or type of contribution? Or is it that an artist asked you to co-write or just a vibe? I appreciate there might be contractual things or whatever, so you might not be able to talk specifics <laughs> did Matt Marr have you sign an NDA? Yeah. He says, but hoping you can shed a little light on how that works. Thanks for all that you do. Good luck with the rest of Lulu. Sam from Sydney, Australia. Hey, mate. Wow. <laughs> Let's put another shrimp on the ball, baby. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love the magic box. Oh, yeah. Well, first of all, Sam, it's super cool that this little song made it all the way to your neck of the woods. Yeah, I can say specifically in that case, I was producing Matt's record, but we co-wrote that song from the ground up together. In fact, the title, All the People Said Amen, is something that the music minister at the church that I grew up in, in Jackson, Mississippi, would say after a, a song went over really well. He'd be like, and all the people said, and then everybody, everybody goes, says, amen. You can't put a Southern, butterfly in a jar. Southern Baptist thing. and uh, That'll preach. And all the people said, I, Sonny. <laughs> That'll preach. <laughs> So I I brought that up to Matt and we wrote that song and then recorded it for his record. So that's how I got a co-writing re- co-writing credit on it was we actually just wrote it together. When I'm producing a record, it would have to be a really invasive like total big change rebuilding of the song to get a songwriting credit. Like if you say, "Hey, you know, <clears throat> that second chorus, let's cut that in half." Sure. So we can get to the solo or That's whatever. Just producing. You're not going to get a credit for that. Right. There have been times where it's like, man, the chorus of the song just isn't working. And we go in and kind of re- yeah. rewrite the whole thing. Change some melodies and chords. Yeah. What about times when you have done something like that? Because I think this is an interesting facet to what he's asking, right? Uh huh. So what, what if you do something like that where you maybe do feel like you're right on the line or maybe even cross the line into getting a credit? Yeah. How, how do you bring it up? Because here's what ideally the artist goes, you know what, dude? You're getting a co-write on this because sure. the nature of it changed so much and no, nothing really needs to be said. Yeah. But then sometimes you're like, well, who's going to say it first? Yeah. Because yeah. I've let those things go before. Well, that's why in in this town, there's a funny little saying called word for a third. Yeah. The word's a third. The idea being like, if you contribute anything. You're in. You're in. Uh, assume that would be like a three-way co-write or right, whatever right and i don't know where that was birthed out of but i feel like it's probably came from some writer that got burned on a song right. <laughs> you know <laughs> it's all case by case it is kind of case you know? by case. and i think that's why it kind of goes back to trying to get yourself in the room with good people that have a an, some type of moral ethic to like read the room and be like this guy actually wrote part of this song i need to give him credit for it you know i've had situations where i was doing kind of producery things didn't expect anything mm-hmm. and then the artist was like hey by the way like 
it's definitely I, I feel like that was significant enough to be a co-write yeah that's rare though it is unfortunately on the rarer side mm-hmm. and you know to put yourself in the artist's shoes they're not thinking about like i'm coming to the project to participate in it and make it as good as i can but that doing that puts food on the table for my family yeah an artist is just trying to get their art out into the world right so they're not like sitting here thinking he just wrote the chorus to my song they're thinking cool my song's done you know i gotta imagine too at a and you actually do at this level you know me i'm like producing independent eps and stuff out of my studio but there's one little girl that you're uh producing at this moment that's true producing a girl named morgan wayne pretty big deal that's true that's true but I'm thinking about there's that scene in Running Down a Dream where Tom Petty's producing Roger McQuinn. Yeah. This is one of the best scenes in the documentary. Mm-hmm. The label ro- that Roger's on has given him a song to sing. Roger McQuinn was in The Birds. Right. Right. And Tom's producing his record. Yep. And Tom's visibly annoyed at this song because Tom Petty knows how to write a pretty good song. In yeah, fact, kind of. I'm not sure he ever wrote a bad one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But he's sitting there. And he's like, look, the song doesn't work. Why are we... And then the the kind of brass, the label guys in the room going, well, let's just rewrite the chorus real quick. Mm-hmm. And Tom's like, rewrite the chorus? He's like, what, are you getting a kickback on this? Yeah. He's like, let's <laughs> just get this man a good song. Yeah. He's like, I could smoke a joint and write a song better than this in five minutes. I love that And he's scene. like, this is the man who wrote Turn, Turn, Turn. This man's a legend. Yeah. And what, what he's talking about that they kind of gloss over is when someone that big's making a record that's going to sell a lot of records, which this is a bygone time... Mm-hmm. There's a lot of kind of dubious shit with writing credits because oh, if you absolutely. get a co-write, think about if you snuggled in some little co-write on the Black Album. Mm-hmm. That's life-changing. Mm-hmm. So you got people all around these songwriters. Now, we would never do this. Yeah. But but in that time, think about the people all around John Lennon feeding him heroin. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, Phil Spector's in the studio with him like, hey, hey, John, I helped you rewrite that chorus. Getting a co-write on Imagine, yeah. which Phil Spector did not do. I'm just using that as an example. Right, right. right. John wrote all his own shit. Even Yoko didn't have co-writes on that. But that the money gets real and it gets interesting. Yeah. Uh, you know, what's Hunter Thompson's quote about the music business? I don't know. What is it? Uh, let me pull it up because I don't want to misquote it. Did someone let a dog out? <laughs> someone give a, an awesome dog. Awesome dog. The amazing dog. You guys should sell hot dogs at your shows. Oh, yeah. Totally. That should be part of the merch. <laughs> yeah. Here's what uh, one Mr. Hunter S. Thompson said about the music business. The music business is a cruel and shallow money trench, a long plastic hallway where thieves and pimps run free and good men die like dogs. Wow. And there's also a negative side. Oh, my God. <laughs> Whoa. I have never heard that. I that's, can't believe you've never I really, heard that. That's I, amazing. I read Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, but other than that, I find him pretty tough. Yeah. Agreed. That is a great quote, though. Yeah. Dang. Yeah. That's really good. Because wow. it's true. So true. <laughs> Very true. And there's a negative side. Yeah. Damn. Well, he was a writer. Yeah, that's true. Any concluding thoughts on that? No, I think we've covered it. Our heart out is no longer hard. Yeah, it's soft out now. Yeah. It's yeah. A soft out. The only thing I'll say is my, when I first started in this business, my dad, who is in the car business, you know, I would call him and tell him a scenario that was going on about getting cheated out of money or something like that. And uh, or how someone took advantage of me, and and he would be like, "Yeah, unfortunately, uh, there's people like that in all business." And then, as my career kept progressing, at some point, we had a conversation. He was like, "Man, it, your business really is worse than other businesses." <laughs> <laughs> yes, and I, you know, I don't know what it is. I think maybe it's like artists are so 
dependent on one, just wanting people to hear their art mm-hmm. that they'll blind themselves to being taken advantage of more than people in regular business. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, on one hand, I've got to just imagine this: there are wolves in every industry. Right. Totally, it does feel like the music industry is unique. And I, I got to tell you what, too, I, which I will recommend this, but it's dark. I just watched that new Marilyn Monroe movie called Blonde. Oh, I haven't seen it's it. It's on man. Netflix. Mm. I mean, it's brutal. Yeah, and it's it's very ugly film industry shit. Well, we said yeah. music business, but what I probably mean is the entertainment, entertainment industry. Yeah. Yes, yeah. for sure. But it, comparatively to like you know a, a car dealership, like you know an artist is maybe betting on this one song to really hit and let's say it's about to and these other little slimy people have their little percentage on there right you know if you know there's just more room for corruption yeah Yeah. there is and if you know it's not like there's a certain you know car that someone's going to sell that's going to make them the biggest dealership on the planet right so yeah but yeah there are wolves in every industry well the, the car business is like the music business in that there's a lot of under the table politicking well just like kickbacks and yeah you know yeah, payola and totally. Mm-hmm. Well, our last email, which Paul's going to read, also deals with music industry stuff, and then we'll uh, we'll burn down the second half yeah. of Lulu. This one's from Anthony Broom. What up, Anthony? Can you read the first line of this? I can't really make it out. I can <laughs> just push a button. Well, let me tell you something, brother. <laughs> <laughs> he says, "Hello, brothers." Fully aware I'm writing into a Metallica podcast, but I wanted to get your thoughts on the Ticketmaster and Taylor Swift debacle this week. We should do a whole freaking episode on that. Probably. Do we think the issues with ticket sales are due are just due to this fever pitch of interest in Taylor? No. Does it speak to the infrastructure issues with Ticketmaster or just their business model altogether? Yes. It's probably a combination of all these things, but just want to get your thoughts on it. It really makes you appreciate how accessible Metallica is, even though Taylor is just about as good with her fans, too. Hope you guys are well, and see you in January. Anthony Broom from Detroit, Michigan, New Jersey. I mean, she she's going to sell so many tickets in one day, which she obviously did, that right. she's, going to, she's going to exacerbate and illustrate what the problem is. Correct. When mm-hmm. it's a monopoly and one company runs it, yes. and they pro- made promises to her. Because according to her, because now it's turning into like a lawsuit and shit. Yeah. yeah. According to her, they went to them and said, look, we're anticipating millions and millions of people in traffic. Right. We need assurances that you can handle it. Yep. And of course, they wanted that money because mm-hmm. money talks and bullshit walks. That's Everybody right. knows yeah. that. So they told her, yeah, of course, we got it. And then they couldn't do it. Right. And, uh, you know, Brad Blazik, whose daughter is a huge Swifty, he gets her tickets all the time. He was just telling us the other night mm-hmm. before our Attention Machine show. And he was like, you know, we had to wait for hours, and they gave us pre-sale codes. And basically what happened is the the, the biggest fans end up getting screwed. Yep. And then when they were going to do the general sale, they just didn't do it. Yeah. Because they sold so many pre-sales. And then it's, it just highlights, like, well, how many tickets were set aside? Right. And then it just starts to get gross, mm-hmm. right? And the people who suffer are the people that just love her, you know? Yeah. Right, exactly. I have my own opinions on the whole thing that are probably biased to my experience but I like what you said in that it just brought to light part of the problem, which is we're dependent on this one company yeah, and kind of beholden to their hand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if anybody in this world has the power to upend a system that's been broken for a long time, it is Taylor she's, Swift. And I think she's going to do it. I right. hope so. Well, here's what she's going to do. 
I, I guarantee finished the work that Pearl Jam started <laughs> in the nineties. And God yeah. bless them for yeah. doing it. And and you know the story of the Pearl Jam v Ticketmaster thing is not a good. It's not a David and Goliath story. They lost totally. Right. Totally. Because they're like, well, we're we're having to put on these shows in these third markets, like right. Horse tracks where there's horse shit everywhere, right? And the sounds bad. Yeah. yeah. And they ultimately were like, well, we have to be able to give our fans a good experience. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately. You know the it's to me it's a it's a one two punch of Ticketmaster and Live Nation. Together. Well, they're one thing now too. Yeah, I don't know what the answer is, but I feel like there there comes a point where the artist is is suffering, the fans are suffering. Well, someone has to break the wheel, right? And that's that that's a tale as old as time. That the concept of that is almost like and primal. It's even funny. Sorry the the no, pearl okay. the Pearl Jam thing. They tried. They tried, but what they were working in, it's gotten so much worse. Oh yeah, since then. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, so what, here's what it's here's what I think she's going to do, and I don't have any inside information about this. I just follow it a little bit. I know some of the people in that camp. She's going to get to a place where she sells her own tickets. Yeah. Now the problem is where where is she going to play? Right. So to break that up, to break that monopoly up, she's going to have to part. She's going to have to form a fucking coalition with like Beyonce and maybe even Metallica, mm-hmm. right? And say. We have to refuse to play these Live Nation stadiums. Right. Yeah. And I'm either going to buy, I'm going to buy them out, mm-hmm. or I'm, I'm going to build something. Right. She's, that's what she's going to have to do. And then she's going to basically say, I'm going to do all of this from now on in-house. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It's just like how she re-recorded her, her records, yep. where she's like, okay, so the, all the normal structures in place that you're basically using to exploit me and steal from me, right? I'm more powerful than you. So I'm just going to start, instead of using vendors, labels, producers, mm-hmm. uh, whatever that is, distribution, she's like, well, I'm going to be my own vendor for all this. Right. And that's what's going to break it. Yeah. Right. You know? I mean, her, her touring could even be where she, it's almost like a festival where instead of actual venues, it's like... A field somewhere. Right. Exactly. Like, oh, this <clears throat> this person has basically... We, we can yeah. rent these all these acres and put on basically the Taylor Swift festival. Yeah. Right. And I guarantee you, when she starts doing it, it's like people who go after the NFL... It's it's like did you guys see ever see the movie Concussion with Will Smith? I never saw that. No, Mm-mm. it's about this um, neurologist who discovered these really specific kinds of concussions in football players mm. that was causing them later in life to have dementia, where they were killing themselves and even in some cases killing members of their families. Oh wow! So he basically went to the NFL to say like, look, they're like we have like a really big health problem. Well, the NFL is like the biggest sports organization, definitely in America. Mm-hmm. They basically used all of their connections and money to try to destroy his life and tamp down the research he was doing. Right. Yeah. So when she starts doing this, which she will, like you think Live Nation Ticketmaster aren't going to go after her and try right. to try to fuck it up? Oh, for sure. Make they it will. hard for her to get permits. Make it you know all these side deals with whomever. Someone's got to break all that up. I'm sure there is already a mountain of tension between the camps. For sure. There well, has to be. I saw that some people said that her statement about it was very. There was a really intentional wording, right? Where she had said something kind of like, "I had really hoped right. that we could blah blah blah." Like she, some, I saw someone that was like she's sending a message, basically, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, and now if they're scared enough of her, which they might be, mm-hmm. then they might start making changes that will keep her from leaving. Yeah, right. Yeah, because she sold out all of those stadiums. Yeah, she sold out like five nights in a row in L.A. Mm-hmm. That's insane. So, I'm curious to see what the Metallica ticket sales have been. Does anyone know? Does I anyone look at that? I mean, I know there hasn't been like any kind of debacle like this where they right. had you know it, 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 the site froze and they just stopped say, uh, the sales. But I haven't seen like numbers or anything. Yeah, like that. it's a good question. You're right. We could talk about this forever. We will yeah. leave it there for now, unless anyone has any concluding thoughts. I, I'm good. 
Let's take a break and hear from the Patreon commercial. If you're willing and able to support the show, you're going to find out how to do it. It's real easy. I'm a patron of several podcasts that I love. I think that supporting the people who make the stuff that you love is important. Having said that, if you can't do it, times are it's weird times. Yeah, People out there trying to get Taylor Swift tickets. <laughs> they can't figure it out. <laughs> exactly. we, uh, we're just glad you're along for the ride. So check out the commercial or go do a potty break or skip over it. Whatever you want to do, honey, please. Once you hear the maniacal laughter in the Nuprin, that's when you know we're ready to rock in the Lulu part two. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. Hey, everyone. Clinton Ethan here, and we want to tell you about a little thing called Patreon. Patreon is an easy and interactive way to support the people who make the things that you love. For as little as five bucks a month, you can ensure that Metal Up Your Podcast can continue to grow in quality and content. That's equivalent to a cup of coffee or a beer once a month. Not only is it easy and affordable, but we've made it a priority since day one to give back to our Patreon community. We've given away deluxe box sets, rare vinyl, black and whiskey, concert tickets to SM2 and Slane Castle, all four of our Cover Our World Black and EPs, 26 quarantine covers, and Lunar Satan demos, invitations to exclusive Zoom happy hours, the ability to ask our guests like Jay Weinberg of Slipknot, Lizzie Hale, and members of the Metallica crew your very own questions, and eligibility for our Metal Tale series where you can be a guest on Metal Up Your Podcast and tell us all about a notable Metallica show you've been to. Subscribe to Patreon today and immediately get access to years' worth of bonus content. Thank you for supporting the people who make the things that you love. Peace. Adios. I can't talk about it anymore. It's giving me a headache. Here, take two of these. Ah, new print. Little, yellow, different. Do you think we will be, like, we will have to be more bonded after this? Bonded by Lulu? Mm-hmm. Bonded by Lulu. By, bonded by honey. Yeah. Honey on ice? And we'll turn into butterflies, but you won't be able to capture us in a jar. Again. There was a gong and a lady who spoke German. <laughs> I ate a sandwich on top of a taco. There's a million ants climbing into my anus. I'll cut my tits off and play a kick drum. Again, <laughs> Lulu <laughs> or nursing home? Lulu or not? I'm not sure. <laughs> it's, it's time to play, Lulu or not. Yeah, well, well, we have to turn that into a segment. Well, yeah. listen, everybody. Um, we're the about time to, is upon us. The time's here. We've, we've, it's been a few weeks. We're about to... Burn down the second half of Lulu. Mm. Paul, are you ready? Yeah. So what are the songs we've already covered? We have covered Brandenburg Gate, The View, Pumping Blood, <laughs> Mistress Dread, Iced Honey, and Cheat on Me. Why do I cheat on me? Why do I cheat on thee? You know, what does he say? Oh, no, the lyric was, why do I cheat on... Oh, why do you cheat on me? Why do I cheat on thee? Why do I cheat on me? That's mm. right. Mm. Okay, Look, well... if you can't see the brilliance of that, then... I don't know, man. Well, listen, the good news is there's only four songs left. The bad news is Junior Dad is longer than an EP. So <laughs> so we're uh, we're in for something. We're in for a ride. Are you ready to get on the ride? It's, what's what, uh, yeah, what's the am. next song? The next song is Frustration. Okay, I'm ready. Let's do it. Love it so far. <laughs> it's only eight and a half minutes. No big whoop. I dig that sound. I know. Could you make that sound on your spaceship? Oh, yeah. Oh, what was yeah. that instrument we were talking about last time? The, the instrument that I can't believe you don't already have. Hurdy-gurdy? <laughs> no. Oh, that too. 
No, it made like a droney noise. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What was that called? I'll find it here in a second. Now, this sounds like uh, Kirk with the old electronic toothbrush. Oh, yeah. Remember that? This one there was that when they were at the Presidio? Yeah. <laughs> That's when you know you're really just grasping for ideas. Like, here, try this toothbrush. <laughs> People probably said that to Eddie Van Halen when he pulled a drill out, but look what happened. Yeah. Pound cake. You got a song as good as pound cake. Oh, yeah. Okay. Sky was gold. Pull the face down on the mattress. I mean, I do like this riff. Yeah. Is there a way to turn it up, the Lulu music up a little louder for me? Yeah. Perfect. There we go. Frustration. A little delay. We're back. A radioactive sandwich fell from a moonbeam. The brush strokes. Kiss your breasts and toes. I cry icicles in my stein. <laughs> the with an <laughs> it does have Grandpa Simpson vibes. Yeah, it does. It's like slam poetry over Metallica. Yeah. Yeah. We end our lives. I'll be doing some remixing over here, don't worry. Yeah. In a second to salivate in your thighs. But all I do is fall over. Oh, I think he just hit a melody there. He did. Fall over. Sound like Bowie. Feel a pain creep up my leg. Blood runs from my creep up my legs. I puke my guts out at your feet. Everybody, you're more man than I. To be dead, to have no feeling, to be dry. Oh, I forgot about this part. This weird Lars. To be dry and spermless, like a girl. Wow. Like a girl. Come on, Lars. I want so much to hurt you. I want so much to hurt you. Like, whose idea was it? Lars was going, I'm just going to play a bunch of shit right here. It would probably would have been cooler with just that droney sound and then him doing his thing. Spermless like a girl. They're jamming, dude. Don't put restraints on the open jam. Like, do you think that Lou was like, hey, Lars, just start hitting shit? I can't imagine they did a lot of talking. Yeah. I think probably what happened is. Kirk said, hey, let's go out in there and hammer it out on the music instead, <laughs> instead of, of on, each, on yeah. each other. Do you think Lou slammed the door that wouldn't slam? Yeah. I got to say, this part, that brown there now, yeah. that's my favorite musical part of the whole record so far. Yeah, me too. It's it's very, uh, it's very loady. Yeah. Yeah. I think we got about six more minutes of this place. Yeah. That little that that sounds similar to a riff in Ice Honey too. It does when they go like D to G at the yeah. end of the G. We're about to get that ba 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 again. That's clo- one of the closest things to a chorus. That's the chorus, yeah. <laughs> 
Oh, that's cool. Is it the same riff, but it whole step up? Yeah, it's the, the Sandman vibes. So he didn't repeat that melody. Why? So he's just barking this. I have no feeling to be dry and spermless like a girl. I, girl. So I really don't like that phrase. No. Yeah, same. So I don't either. To hurt you. Feels uncomfortable to me. So much well, and he's saying, I want to hurt you. I want I you to be my wife. As a wife. Frustration. Is my lexicon of hate? It sounds like he's saying he's frustrated with like getting older. Frustration. He says, I've, I, "All I do is fall over. I don't have the strength I once had." I want to hurt you, but I want you to be my wife. I feel pain creeping up my leg, blood running from my, my nose. I puke my guts out at your feet. Whoa! I'm spermless like a girl. Pretty out there stuff. <sighs> Did he have health problems? When. He died two years later. Yeah. I don't know if he was already sick at this point. Or was what. he spermless like a girl? I mean, those kind of health problems. Yeah. Was he sterile? I wish that what I did he die from? Do you have cancer? But I too love your eyes. Now he's saying he wishes he could kill her. I want you as my wife. What do you say? I want you as my wife? I want yeah. you as my wife. Yeah, oh, he, he's cleared okay, it up for Lou. you. Thanks, Lou. Thanks, Lou. Thanks, Grandpa like Simpson. Girl. Hello, me. <laughs> he, had, he had liver disease. Ah, big drinker. Pretty much the same riff, but double time. Right. To me, even musically, they could have gone to other places. They just kind of use the same riff almost every song for the whole time. I, I submit it's because they don't really know what they're doing. They're not. They've never been in this position. Th- this just, is this is aimless. Yeah. Like you know what I mean? Like yeah. yeah. It's like he wrote a bunch of Lulu poetry, and then they're just kind of maybe they had a conversation and we'll do this, we'll do that, we'll play yeah. this riff, then we'll modulate it, then we'll do the main riff and the original key a little faster. Yeah. And I'm, I'm sure there were times where they were sitting there jamming it, and it's like Lou is still going, so just keep playing that riff, I guess. Here's a little different part. Here's, here's one way to look at it, a silver lining way. It's kind of cool that at this point of their career, what, this is 35 years in, right? Mm-hmm. That they want to jam with each other for this long, you know? Yeah, I see. Absolutely. Yeah, 30 years. I mean, I think it all still goes just back to them just being honored that Lou Reed wants to work with them. Right. Like, fuck, it's Lou Reed. Hell yeah, we're going to do it. Like, Whatever comes of this, this is an opportunity we can't say no to. I think they right. bit off more than they could chew. I think you're right, yeah. You know what? I know you're right. I'd love to really be friends with these guys and be having a beer after one of these sessions and really hear right. what Lars thought about the frustration session that day. <laughs> right. Lou's, Lou's going back to the hotel and you're sitting around going like, so what do you think? Right. Because when they're on the 30th anniversary shows and Lou comes out or when they're promoting the record, of course, they're. it's all about the challenge, the artistic expression, the fun right, they're having. Right, right. But man, come on. He's having a beer after this going. It was a rough one today. 
Well, you know who was having a beer after this going, that was a rough one today. Who? Greg Fiddleman. Greg, yeah, totally. Yeah, for sure. I guarantee you. It's like Mike Gillies and Greg are the last guys, like, kind of closing up shop. And Mm -hmm. like, what are you, so what's up, man? You heading home? Or it's like, you want to go get a beer? Yeah. Yeah, we need to talk. No, you know know what they're doing? Because I feel like I've been in my own version of this in a microcosmic way. Dude's sitting in the chair that he sat in all day. In complete silence, staring at the wall. <laughs> yeah. Just yeah. like, just kind of replaying the day in yeah. his head and being like, I, I just need this. I can't get up. Yeah. I just need 15 minutes of complete silence. And then you got your boy, like your your engineer or assistant yeah. that, that went through it with you. So they they know, they uniquely know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're both sitting there in silence. And, and that guy, yeah, you're both not talking. There's going to be a minute before there's talking. Mm-hmm. And then you're making sure you're hearing like the last car pull away. So you're making sure it's cool. Yeah. And then at one point you're like, so what are your plans? And the dude's like, I'm supposed to meet my wife for this thing. You're like, can you postpone that? Because we need to go get a beer. Yeah. Right now. yeah we, need, we need to have a convo. I've definitely had those. Like whether yeah. it was a show or, or like a meeting mm-hmm. where afterwards you're like, I need everyone to come have a beer with me now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then they sit down and they're holding their beers and he's like, what do you think they're saying? Did he say I want to hurt you? <laughs> How many times do you think he said spermless like a girl? Spermless was it 13 dry. times? Yeah. Or was uh, it 25 times? Dude. All right, next. Uh, wow. Uh, next song is Little Dog. Hey, who let the little dog <laughs> out, dude? Is it uh, amazing, though? A.K.A. Sean. Sean is the little dog. He's the little he? dog, we call him. Ooh, little dog who can't get in, moaning at the bedside. This one's this one's a minute shorter at seven fifty. Okay. Spermless like a neutered dog. <laughs> <laughs> that I want to marry. <laughs> it's a cool guitar tone. Like a baritone acoustic. Yeah, sounds like a tuned down. Yeah. Cool vibe. Mm-hmm. Little dog who can't get in Morning at the bedside Morning from each limb Little dog who can't get in Okay, I dig this so far. I do too. Yeah, yeah same. Somehow I have a feeling they're going to fuck it all up, though. <laughs> <laughs> what makes you say that, Clint? This has uh, late era cash vibes. This is nice. Yeah. This is American recordings type. Mm-hmm. Hurt, you know. Horny oh. legs, little trot. Little dog has to wait a lot. Cool. Good performance too. Like I like that scrappy sounding guitar playing. Mm, yeah. That sounds like Lou. Oh, you think it is? I think it's Lou driving the ship. Yeah, it, like it'd it, be it, cool. It's cool and vibey, but there's a couple moments you can kind of hear this hesitation it's in the lo- guitar. It's loose in a way. Loose. <laughs> oh, it's Lou loose. <laughs> I mean, if they land this song. This is going to be the best song on the album. Yeah. Well, it yeah. already is in my mind. And you know why? There's not a lot of Metallica in it. It's just a creepy ambient sound in Lou. Yeah, is that that instrument? 
What was it called? Let me look that up. Barking. I can't remember. Listen to him call. Little dog don't have much at all. <laughs> oh, here we, here go. we go. Oh, I knew they would do it. Here we go, Lars. Good day, sir. Puny body and a tiny dick. A little dog can make you sick. It's called a continuum. Oh, that's right. Continuum. You got, you got to have one of those, man. Can yeah. Go to the top. I want to look up what it looks like. The female dog don't care what you got. As long as you can raise that little doggy face to a cold-hearted pussy. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> wow. Taste right. what the big dog got. I feel like it's a... About to go into something else than it doesn't, which I kind of dig that tension. Well, once the P word gets on the scene, you're like, well, yeah. we've taken a bit of a turn here. Yeah. It reminds me of a tool song called 10,000 Days that I love. Oh, yeah. All money can do anything. Money can do anything. Tell me what you want. My small dog. I love his guitar playing in this song. I know, me too. I like the whole vibe of the song. Other than I've seen a couple lyrics, but. The whole vibe of this reminds me of like like the ending of some TV show where there's some like really sad thing just happened. Someone died, and it's the ending of Dahmer. I mean, I, I could hear it in that, yeah. I will not be getting a continuum. Why? Uh, they average around five to seven thousand dollars. That's it. What's the problem? Yeah. Hey, if there's any metal up your podcast fans out there that let's start a Kickstarter for you it. Know. <laughs> Here, look. Don't take away from your monthly subscription to Metal Up Your Podcast Patreon. But if there's a little change left over, it's Christmas time. Tis the season. You know, throw a little continuum my way. That's right. While listening to Continuum. Yeah. Drums and tom-toms coming in. Little Rob. Uh, the rhythm's weird. I'm still digging this, other than the P word. I like the sound of that snare. I think it's a tom, right? Is that a, is that a tom? I can't tell. Sounds like a rack tom to me. Pathetic Sounds like a dead dog. snare to me. I'm more Tom. Tommy. Team Tommy. You're Paul. You're Paul. Paul? Huh? That's why we got you the shirt so you don't forget. Pathetic little dog. Little dog. He really doesn't like this dog. Well, apparently the, it's not an amazing dog, so... Right. Right. 
coming up while you're down. It almost sounds like a harmonium in the background. Mm-hmm. Real drony. up while you're down. The spring and the will follow me around. Who played the continuum? While Clint. You sniff your shit Lou. Sniff your shit in the wind. So he must have overdubbed anything. it then if he's playing the acoustic. Money can do Wasn't the continuum on a different song from the last want. episode, right? Tell me what or is this... Oh, I was just assuming the ambient stuff in the background. There's a guy named Sarth Calhoun credited for electronics. Ah, okay. Tell me what it is you want. Tell me what it is you want. And there's this Hal Wilner guy who also is a co-producer. I wonder if he... That's interesting. Was he maybe Lou's guy? He's like a collaborator of Lou's, yeah. Gotcha. Mm. Our first record was Metal Machine Massacre for music. So he's the guy that came in and was like, I think maybe talk about some female genitalia here. Right. Cut your tits off here. And then he got some publishing on the, the song. Right. Right. Well, words a third. We already established yeah. that. He's a wolf, yeah. <laughs> All right. I have some things to say about the song. Okay. <laughs> first of all, it's my favorite song on the album. Me too. Because it, I don't know, it really had an ethos and a vibe that I was kind of enchanted by in a way. Yeah, it seemed like they were actually listening to each other as opposed to him just doing poetry over the, them. Yeah, he was kind of leading, leading the charge. Yeah. Not mm-hmm. just vocally. So it wasn't like, he wasn't like gridded by Metallica's like, <laughs> Second favorite song. He was leading it because he was playing the baritone, right? So they're following him. I liked the change when like that kind of Tom thing came in, mm-hmm. but it was just too often out of time. Yeah, yeah. It started okay, and then the, like there, you would hear the kick, and then the Tom would all of a sudden be like a little bit late, and then it would kind of reset. And like, why not even fix that? Like, well, I would probably push that around a little bit just to make it pocketed. Yeah, I mean, they're obviously not playing to a click or anything. I don't think there so. was any pocketing going on on this record. Yeah, well, I loved I loved the start of the lyric of what it was saying. Well, it goes on too long. Yeah. The song is too long. Mm-hmm. I do like that they let it breathe. But yeah, I mean, the whole song is about a dog. That right. I'm guessing he's, maybe the dog is a symbol for him, or he sees himself in the dog, but he's not kind to the dog. Mm-hmm. No, he's, he seems very mean to the dog. He's not, he, he calls the dog pathetic. Little dog with $100 bill spot, run his tongue over the hot and trot. Money can do anything, tell me what you want. My small dog, he wants what I got. Wants to run his tongue over my hot spot. Pathetic little dog. The little man follows his nose, counts his fingers and his toes. He's still got those. Pathetic little dog follows his nose. I'm an up while you're a down. The spring and the will follow me around while you sniff your shit in the wind. Mm. Money can do anything, tell me what it is you want. I mean, I'm not smart enough to really understand what the fuck yeah. I was talking about. But um Yeah. Wow. <laughs> it's wild stuff. I mean, I gotta say I don't really like it that much, but it is my favorite song. That that's been my favorite so far for it sure. It was a big success. I'm gonna have to say Iced Honey and this one so far are the success. Those are my two, yeah. yeah, for sure. Well, let's see what Dragon has to say. This is only eleven <laughs> minutes long. Are you kidding God me? Damn. We haven't even gotten there's only two songs left. We have Dragon, which is eleven minutes, and then we have Junior Dad, which is 19 minutes. Oh, let's get on some dragon, dude. Let's do it. Are you ready to... I'm ready, ready to chase the dragon. ready to slay ready to the dragon. Ride the dragon. <laughs> the 
Paul Moak on guitar? Is this filter? You actually made that sound on your pedal board when I came by here the other day to <laughs> grab the PA. When I was building this pedal board, I thought, I need to be able to recreate Lulu in its entirety. You don't actually care. <laughs> Lou's responding to you. <laughs> you don't actually care. You don't actually care. You don't actually care. Love for you is no beginning. I like that line. Mm-hmm. You're not really there. Hallucination. I'm guessing that's all Sarth on the electronic sounds. Mm. Well, Sarth Vader. I thought you were listening. Hallucination. Could be the continuum. I'm, I'm sorry, was that Beyonce? <laughs> was, even, was that Mariah Carey, eight octave range? Damn. Hallucination. I understand you think you're above it. I like the effect on his vocal. He's got the some slap on there. Sense of the sky, the feeling of billowing heartbeats, the fingertips run through your hair. This is just they the day Metallica didn't come to the studio and he just recorded by himself. Do you think they ever even remotely talked about the possibility of playing any of this stuff live? Well, we just did the 30th anniversary night two show where they came out and did the View and Iced Honey. They did. They yeah. did. They and a Velvet Underground song, yeah. Yeah, and they did a Velvet Underground tune. When we did 2011, they did promo for it. They went on TV shows and played. They played Iced Honey. Iced Honey yeah. Uh, well, that and and the, the View. I think the View was the single. I need to go look that up. You don't have to. It's not real good. <laughs> Fingertips run through your hair. We are mere I kind of have a prediction this is going to be another nine minutes of this. It's cool tone. Mother. Kind of sounds like mother. Yeah. Does. Tell your children not to come my way. Unless they're dry and spermless. Gosh. Like a girl? Apparently. Are meant to be dismissible objects. One fucks with. <laughs> hey, I didn't know there was cursing on this. Cool snare tone. Now we're talking. Hell yeah. Okay. The winner in heartbreak. There are only seven more verses. <laughs> well, good. There's only seven minutes and fifty seconds left. The winner in every minuscule method of wearing your heart on your sleeve. A red star of idiocy. An idiot's idiocy. Ah, my, my, caring for you, caring for you. Um. This sounds like the, the bridge. Halo on fire. Yeah. Like they have a second part they wrote in this song, but it's still just going back and forth and back and forth. 
I love this musical part for sure. We do love to look upon your perfect body. About to say the smell of your armpit. The hair on your shoulders, the smell of your armpit, the taste of your vulva, and everything. The taste of your what? Vulva. Mm. Oh, there we go. That's too. Uh, I thought I'd seen Volvo, like the car. <laughs> he loves the way a nice you Volvo tastes. That's a new car smell. Okay. I don't know if I dislike the P word more or the fact that he's like a dictionary term. I make a flag out of my urethra. (laughs) (laughs) You know what this record reminds me of? What? I have this friend who's an artist, and for his 29th birthday, his wife called me. This was, I'm 43 now, so this was a long time ago. He was like, she she said, all he wants to do is get together with his friends and jam. Yeah. And so I came up with this thing called 29 Reasons and had him and all of his friends over the studio. And I was like, I'm just going to record. And let's, we're going to record 29 new songs tonight. Gosh. <laughs> and, uh, That's an ambitious project. I think we made it to like 13 or 14 before all the booze kicked in. Yeah. Yeah. And we came back in the next day and listened and everything was just terrible. Oh, yeah. It was all just jams like this. Yeah. Like this? Piercing your nipples till I bite them off. Mm. Your Kotex jukebox. Oh my gosh. Alright, Grandpa, put the game on. Put the game on. Yeah, quick. Get the game on. No more eggnog. Like, where have you been? I've been in your bathroom with your Kotex glue box. I'm biting off pierced nipples. A lot of body part. Mm-hmm. Pumping blood. In the end, it was an ordinary heart. <laughs> Pumping blood. <laughs> I mean, listen, it's awful. This is bad. This is really bad. The neck bones connected to the... <laughs> <laughs> Your tibia, your fibia, your ulna. The spine bones connected to the butt bone. (laughs) A tibia who actively despises your fibia. (laughs) Maybe he's just got a medical journal out in front of (laughs) him. He's reading Grey's Anatomy. He's just reading Grey's Anatomy the whole time. Your esophagus, your esophagus. (laughs) (laughs) Razors in your urethra. Shed your epidermis. <laughs> <laughs> Medulla. Medulla oblongata. Who actively despises you. <laughs> He's got kind of the same cadence, too, when he kind of gets animated. Yeah. What is that, the feeling? <laughs> exactly. All right, hold on. Let's go. Let's go. Doing crystal method, lift you up until you break. You won't stop. And Lou, like, like Lou has no concept of time and how yeah. long this is. Like, he's not looking at his watch, going, "I mean, guys, it's been almost eight minutes. Maybe we could end it." <laughs> like, there's, there's still 
three minutes left. Yeah, boy. There's a normal length pop song left in this thing. Yeah. She goes up and he goes down away. <laughs> Same three chords can make me cry. Oh. Oh, there's a solo coming up. Bang your head. Yeah. So rejected. It's very repetitive too, like vocal. I mean, not even the music, but like he repeats a lot of the lines. Yeah, yeah. Well, like even you know the actively despises you thing happens like ten times in the song. <laughs> you can rest your fucking feet on. The hair on your shoulders. The smell of your armpit. To look upon your perfect body We love you, Regal We love you, Hardy Oblivious to caring Oblivious to caring Caring Oh my dear Oh my dear I just imagine them doing this take 11 minutes and like fuck man that was that was hard to get through and then Lou's like let's do it again <laughs> or imagine them doing it and then having to listen back Right, just you, you know the thing when you listen back on the control room, like Everyone, arms folded and you're like not you know you're you're digging yeah. it you're digging your shit yeah imagine them doing this for eight minutes Ugh. oh hell yeah there's a solo I'm gonna put it out there that they probably didn't perform any of these more than once I agree in the studio these sound like not. first takes yeah. yeah well what is there to right what are the notes right. I, I, I wager that if they did it again, it would be completely different. Yeah. I don't think, I mean, I don't think Lou's the kind of person that would sit back and be like, you know what, that that one line about the armpit, I'd like to do that a couple more times. Right. Although I will say, when Can you check the tuning on the, uh, <laughs> the word vulva? I think I got a better one in me. Give me the bridge. Let me punch the bridge. <laughs> um, I will say, when they did it, the, the 30th anniversary shows, it sounded like the record. I mean, they did Ice Honey and The View kind of the way they go on the record. Mm-hmm. Wow. So I don't know if they had to learn it. I mean, I don't know. I think they just know, they know like, hey, there's, maybe that's why there's only like one or two parts in every song musically. Right. They're like, well, if we do this live, we just jam on that for 10 minutes and we're good. I'm just interested in the song because I don't think it's very good. And I kind of zoomed ahead to Junior Dad knowing that it's 19 minutes. Mm-hmm. I don't know if this is good or bad news, dudes. <laughs> four verses. Four verses. Only that's four verses and not a lot of words. That's... Interesting. Not a lot of words for a 19-minute song. No, well, here, 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 uh, first of all, I'm calling an audible. Normally, I pause in between each song so we can discuss. I'm Keep it gonna, rolling. I'm letting it ride. Keep it rolling. Because right. we've got plenty of time if we want to discuss anything really in life. My dog's name is Junior. So am I Junior Dad? You're Junior's dad. <laughs> okay, I like this. All these start off really cool. Yeah. Is that Sarth? In a world. Sounds like Sarth, yeah. In a world where Sarth Vader <laughs> invades the Millennium Falcon. This time, he cuts his tits off. It's personal. <laughs> he loves the smell of Leia's armpits. <laughs> In a world where R2-D2 is pumping blood <laughs> to a woman who actively despises him. You stole fizzy lifting drinks. <laughs> <sighs> so how's your week been, guys? <sighs> Busy, but good. Yeah. Same Z's. Actually... You know, I was supposed to be in the studio 
this week and we we're going to do the podcast at night. But That's right. My artist got the flu and then his wife got COVID. Again, this is okay. cool. Yeah. This is awesome. By the way, I noticed that, Paul, you, t- you took your mic off of the mic clip. Yeah. Are you going to hold that for 19 minutes? Tonight. We'll see. I just felt like I needed to be quicker on the trigger. This sounds like an here. early aughts. This sounds like uh, The Calling. Would you come? The Calling. I don't remember The Calling. Was that? Uh, no, I'm thinking of Lifehouse. Lifehouse. That's what I'm thinking of. Even more more in love with you. <laughs> Does that sound like Falling yeah. Even? <laughs> uh, yeah, it sounds like the verse. Dun, 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 dun. How did the verse go? The closer that I'm falling. Yeah. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah. Or it sounds like Stavesaker or something. It does have that vibe, yeah. That kind of clean, affected guitar. This sounds like early aughts Christian rock. <laughs> Lord. This really sounds like something off Stavesaker's second album, Absolute. Absolute. I don't know Stavesaker. I mean, I know the. I remember the band name. Is it unfair to ask you? Speak easy. Gold and silver. (laughs) That's one of my favorite songs. Great song. I love that. I love the whole Speak Easy album. Mm -hmm. It's a very cure tone. Yeah. On that Speakeasy album, they cover Fascination Street. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Pretty good. One of my favorite bass lines. All right, next cover, Our World Blackened. I'm doing Junior Dad. Go for it. <laughs> kind of majory. Yeah. I really like this. This is fine with me so far. Yeah. Now, we're at what, the two-minute mark? Uh, three minutes. We got about 16 and a half minutes left. Like, I'm the kind of guy where even the nah, 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 and hey, Jude, yeah. which is eight minutes long, I'm like, all right, Paul, wrap it up, baby. Yeah. yeah. Or like Sting, like, sending out an SOS. Yeah. Okay, can you get through... Uh, Uh, all we are give these a chance. I'm partial. I'm partial to that song. Yeah. Everybody talking about fascism, bagism, yeah. thisism, thatism. I like all those verses because they're so weird. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I love that melody. By the way, that song, Lennon McCartney. No way. Handshake deal. Handshake deal. You know wow. what a uh, Beatles song I can't. I, I could actually use like another two minutes of is the that. Dark riff on She's So Heavy. It's so good. It's like seven minutes long. They do it a lot. Every time I when it ends on it, I'm like, ah, I love that riff so much. And I'm calling it a riff. Yeah. It is a riff. It's awesome. It's heavy metal. It's heavy as shit, yeah. Like like I wonder if they heard Black Sabbath at that point. Or what what year was that song? No. That wouldn't have been then. Well, that's sixty nine, but they might have heard it. Well the first Sabbath record was seventy, I think. So yeah. well, they may have been hip to it. Mm. But I think that Helter Skelter, which was 68. It was like proto metal shit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Uh, She's so heavy is a metal riff. That's right. like sludge metal. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. And they just kept overdubbing guitars on it. That's it's like so, 10 guitars. That's uh, so cool. I almost forgot Lou was in this song. <laughs> 
Is this verse two? This is verse three. Oh, three. Give us a little lyrical analysis. Burning, okay, burning fever burning on my forehead. The brain that once was listening now shoots out its tiresome message. Won't you pull me up? I don't mind these. Scalding my dead father has the motor and he's dri- driving towards an island of lost souls. Oh, here we go. Sonny, a monkey then to monkey. I will teach you meanness, fear and blindness. No social redeeming kindness. Oh, state of grace. It's all passable poetry. Yeah. Daddy issues. Won't you pull me up? Scalding my dead father has the motor and he's driving towards an island of lost souls. Kind of singing notes. I like that there was a a scale there. He's kind of singing notes. (laughs) I mean, am I wrong? (laughs) No. He is kind of singing. A monkey then to monkey. I will teach you meanness, fear, and blindness. No social redeeming kindness. That sounds almost oh. like a pump organ. Oh. Yeah, it's like a cross between uh, the be- earlier harmonium, the beginning of where the streets have no name, and like a black <laughs> rebel, re- black rebel motorcycle club tune. What if that chimey streets thing <laughs> just came in? Dotted eighth note delay. <laughs> 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 so was that the third verse? That was verse three. Yeah. Okay, so there's one more verse yeah. and 13 minutes left. I feel like there's going to be a lot of this. I could listen to 13 minutes of this I could stuff. too. Totally. And we can just keep talking about yeah. other things. That's like Cigaros. Yeah, it definitely what is like that. Here's me doing Cigaros lyrics. Ready? Simofasi. They have the one album that's not even Icelandic. They just made up a language on the album, the parentheses album. That's all all their music. <laughs> you need to write a Star Wars movie. I hope Jonesy hears this and motherfuckers start co writing with me. Yeah. We do have we do have a connection straight to Jonesy. Ian White, who tattooed us oh, yeah. on Metal of Your Podcast. You Jonesy, right? Uh, Jonesy only get... Yeah, he's, the, he's the band, Jonesy's guy. The band flies him to shows to tattoo them. Yeah. yeah. They only get tattooed by Ian, which is wild. Yeah. So we pretty much are best friends. I mean, no big deal. Here's me at 25. Cigarose <clears throat> is the best band in the world. Yeah. Here's me at 39. Bunch of bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> Learn how to write a fucking song. Yeah. I will say this, dude. <laughs> you got you got a long flight. It'll put you to sleep. Put those ears in and It'll you pull you up sleep. that parentheses record yeah, yeah, and yeah. you're good to go. It'll put you to sleep. I saw them at the Ryman with uh it was like I think on Valentine's Day. How romantic. And there was like five or six couples that we all went together yeah and uh the opening act was their string quartet that plays with them in their show just playing wine glasses with water in them and how was it uh i don't even have a word i mean was it were you like this sucks no no i mean it was it was pretty yeah and then uh I remember Jonesy having a really tough show, like sound problems with this bow and stuff. 
Yeah. And he the only time they ever spoke is he apologized for was he like, the sound. <laughs> he was like, he's a little pixie. He was like, what's up? I just remember when I was 25, dude, I was so into like ambient music. Right. I was like, dude, fucking Brian Eno, fucking Cigaros. Right? Yep. And say it right. It's not Sigor Ross. <laughs> Sugar Rose. Sugar Rays. I liked them and I loved that first Muse record, Ab- Absolutions. I don't know if that's their first one. That was I, their had, th- I had that yeah, record. That's their third record. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Origins of Symmetry is their second one. The first one's called Showbiz. Oh, wow. Horrible. That's a terrible... Origins of Symmetry is great. I'm just saying the title's horrible. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I haven't heard any of either of those albums. I think I've also outgrown Muse. Yeah? I've been actually dipping back in a little bit more. Now. They, they have a... Black holes and revelation! <laughs> I mean, it's highly produced. It, uh, you know what? I'll give it to those dudes, man. They pull that shit off live flawlessly. Yeah, dude. Speaking I'm, of racks of pedals and gear, yeah. that dude... I that dude has a chaos pad in his guitar. Oh yep. yeah, oh yeah. I remember when um, why am I blanking on his name? Jay, uh, guitar tech. Uh, he used to work for the Newsboys back in the day. Why am I blanking on his last name? No idea. Anyways, uh, you don't know the guitar tech for the Newsboys? <laughs> <laughs> you probably came across him. Um, I'm sure. J- Jay Baskin. Okay, that and, name and, sounds. Familiar. Anyways, um, he was Matt Bellamy's tech for a number of years. Wow. Got me into the show at Bridgestone on one of their tours and sent me a photo of his rig and all that he has to deal with every day and it was wow. like oh my god that's like the biggest just looking at the photo was stressful yeah. I remember I got a chaos pad because of Matt Bellamy and probably also because of Sigur Rose. and for the church I went to for communion every, we did communion every Sunday and we would always write an original piece of music like an instrumental piece of music so we'd get there a few hours early work out the praise songs we were going to do and then we would cook up like an instrumental piece that we could play while everyone did communion. Just like Lou and Metallica. It sounded exactly like fucking Pumping Blood, dude. <laughs> but uh, I remember one of the times I only played the Chaos Pad. Oh, wow. Like, I was always playing guitar or bass, right? And yeah. I remember one time I just brought, I had my Chaos Pad hooked up to the PA. And I was just going... <laughs> just just making XY. noises. Just making ambient Sigur yeah. Rose wannabe shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh, dude, everyone, I mean, we were in our mid-20s in church, like, listening to edgy music like Sigur Rós. <laughs> everyone thought it was cool as shit, yeah. dude. I got a lot of compliments on the chaos. Pad. I thought your story was going to be, like, we played this really beautiful thing. I was playing some really, like, atmospheric sound on my guitar, and then, like, my, my palm hit the chaos pad, and I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> No, I was playing, like, really pretty pads and shit. That's cool. This part of the record, yeah, I'm in. Freaking meditate. Oh, you're in a field of evergreen trees. Here you'll see the rare Lou Reed in his natural habitat. Taste the rainbow. <laughs> oh, how he loves to hide in the tall grass, waiting to emerge in the full moon. And what lies beneath the grass but... We end our life as moles. Though he didn't get the syntax correct, nor is he grammatically gifted, he did end his life as a mole. It's quite sad, yes. You know how he made mole sounds? (laughs) (laughs) Is that the sound of two fawns kissing, or merely the sound of a life-ending mole? 
climbing from the refuge to the light of a new dawn patrols. I'm surprised the moles haven't canceled him. I know, for real. Like, uh, actually, we don't sound like that. <laughs> Excuse me. How dare you appropriate the sounds of a mole? Yeah. That's why they That's why they come up uh, to the surface. They're trying to find Dave Mustaine. Mole appropriation. So I'm, I'm guessing when they recorded Junior Dad, at this point in the recording, you've got uh, Sarth. Sarth? Playing this shit. At this point, Lars is halfway home. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Kirk's smoking a cigar. Lars is robed out. R- Lars is full on robe, dude. Yeah, for sure. James, James is... Warming up one of his hot rods out in the alley. I was just like, fuck, listen to that harmonium. Fuck. Fucking goes on for fucking ever. I mean, I'm I'm taking a while guessing that the rest of the song, the rest of the six minutes is just this, which I like. You know how they played. What's our best use of the next six minutes? <laughs> Should we do some yoga? <laughs> <laughs> Oh. Well, I love you, dudes. I just want to say that right now. She's so sweet. <laughs> I want the world to know. No one told me that Junior Dad was half Metallica Lee Reed, half Cigar Rose cover. Right. I feel like I'm at like uh, the massage. Like couples massage in right. like a resort. Oh, we're all on a retreat together. Yeah. Relax now. Imagine yeah. orbs, just simple, clean orbs, C- circular. Let the negative energy flow through you and out of your anus or armpits. <laughs> As I place these cold stones on your eyelids, envision all the stress formulating in your muscles, simply leaving, ending its life as molar. <laughs> Dude, uh, I've got a buddy that's a session player here in town. That um, I'm right here. Yeah, Ethan. No, he's he he's been he's like the generation before us, right? And uh, he told me that one time he got called to play percussion on this record, and he went out to Dark Horse and set up. There's a bunch of you know full band session guys and. Uh, the guy that was producing came in. He's like, all right, guys, here's the charts for the first song. And they met the the artist. And they go in and uh, they start kind of doing this kind of what we're hearing right now. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you know, shh. <laughs> you know, like shaker kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, uh, and he says he keeps, he keeps waiting for this guy to come in, the artist, you yeah. know. And the artist is standing at the mic, and he said they go on for like three or four minutes. And he's like, is this guy ever going to start singing? Do so you have like wind chimes? Do you like, Shh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like real new agey. Yeah. Right? And so the guy, the guy finally goes up to the mic, and my buddy Ken's like, all right, here we go. Let's see what this is all about. And he's, the guy's like, jump without a net, <laughs> and the answer will appear. Oh, boy. Yeah, play it more purple. It was a motivational speaker. Okay, it's Tony wow. Robbins. Was it the yeah. owner of Dark Horse, Robin? Because that dude, yeah. was it him? It was. Okay. But, uh, I just outed we, him. I think we can talk about Robin on the show. Okay. I remember him because I've, I've done a few records at yeah, Dark yeah. Horse. He would make these new age inspirational records. Yeah. You know, um, I, as you're telling that story, I can picture that dude's face in my yeah. head. And, like, wow, that's amazing. <laughs> this also sounds like... Jump and the net will appear. Do you, Paul Moak, take Clint Wells to be your... Yeah. 
Well, well, what is it? Do you? Not in the state of Tennessee, I'll tell you that much. Not anymore. Good day, mate. <laughs> I I really can't believe we're still sitting here. <laughs> this is like the this is like the music that plays at the end of the movie when yeah, all the credits, the credits. Yeah, this is the last They all one. it's like like the main credit song is done and then the next song This is like when the seal of the you know <laughs> the, the paramount picture. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that seal. And there's two people in the theater hoping for a post credit circular thing that's in every movie yeah. we've seen because they're like, "What? I don't I have no idea what it is." It's like the like <laughs> the MPAA yeah. or some shit. Uh, Motion Picture Association <laughs> of America. You guys were almost we're and, almost done. And it's like there's someone cleaning out the seats and the lights are on. Yeah, the ushers are already like yeah, yeah sweeping up. <laughs> You're like, no, I need to hear the end of the song. Something else might happen. It's like the only reason I know that exists is because I left my phone in the theater right. and had to come back and get it. <laughs> well, boys, we have a minute and 20 seconds left. Ay, ay, ay. Final thoughts? I'm hungry and... <laughs> this is not good. It's a failed experiment. It's a failed experiment. Obviously, there's moments like this where it's like, "Oh, that's really peaceful sound. I can listen to that while I'm who gives a shit? meditating." Right. Right. But overall, yes, this 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 doesn't make this a good album. I can go sit at home and play an organ for. I can play a one and four chord on an organ for ten minutes. Right. right. Yeah. Exactly. And so someone did that, and that's and it's like the point is that it's very long. Like I get it. I understand what they're trying to do. Yeah. It just doesn't work. Right. That's all. That's my thing. That's kind of salty Clint stuff. No, I, I think you're actually you're very right, dude. I, like nothing about this. The good, nothing about the good parts of this make this a good album. Yeah, it's you're um, right. It's a failed experiment. It's a huge swing and a miss. Um, we of course love Metallica. We love so many things about them, but this was just one of those things that, you know, they, they I think they took the opportunity. Like maybe this will be cool, and they took the opportunity and it failed, unfortunately. But for them, it's like, well, we got to work with one of our heroes. Unfortunately, the fruits of that labor are the, are this. Do you think there was a conversation where they were like? Let's say it's like them and Cliff in a room. Cliff Bernstein, their manager. Like, how do, how do we get out of releasing this? You think there was a convo where like, can we not release it? Yeah. I'm, I'll bet that. And I actually, was. I bet you it was Cliff or uh, what's the, uh, Peter Minch. Yeah. I bet, oh, you, I yeah. bet you some of the, one of the, one of the manager, non-artistic guys, right? Like, remember the guys that when they heard St. Anger, they were like, how do we tell them right. this is the first thing they've ever done that's not good? Why don't right. you, Clint, give me your best impression of Lars's dad's reaction <laughs> To Lulu, Ethan's probably here. better at that than me because I can't do the accent. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I think you should delete that. <laughs> <laughs> Remember when I said you should delete the temptation? <laughs> this makes temptation sounds like into Sandman Part Two. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, listen, Tor- Torben's a very Zen dude. I think he would dig Junior Dad. Yeah, he would dig the end of it. Yeah, yeah. or yeah, you know what? The whole the whole Junior Dad thing. All right, yeah. Let me tell you about my favorite moments here. I like the acoustic guitar at the top of Brandenburg Gate. Yep. Mm-hmm. I like the. How do you know the titles of these songs? I don't know. Uh, it's a curse. He just yeah. made that up, actually. <laughs> Got it right. I like the chorus of Iced Honey. Iced Honey. Yeah. I liked the. Which was the song where it was just him with a baritone guitar? Was that Little Dog? Little, Little Dog. Dog. I liked Little Dog. Yeah. 
And I like Junior Dad. I don't like the the 13-minute organ at the end. I, right. I get it. Yeah. It's a waste of everyone's time. Yeah, exactly. But I did kind of like that song. It, it sounded to me like a 2002 Stave Saker song, which really isn't a compliment for Metallica. <laughs> and <laughs> and not I Metallica. love the band Stave Saker. Right. Yeah, yeah. But you, I don't want my Metallica, who wrote Master of Puppets and Fixer to sound like middle-era Stave Saker. The sole right. fact that you referenced Lifehouse was probably a negative. Standing by the morning here with you, hanging on to all that we've been through. You know how to play it, don't you? No. Were you in Lifehouse? No, but I do know this. Here we oh, go. Oh, I'll get the telly out. Deeper <laughs> after you. Oh, a pig scrape. Yeah, he did do a pig scrape. <laughs> what was what was that? Pick? That sounded like you were unzipping a hoodie. That sounded like a sound from the Lulu album. Yeah. <laughs> Paul, what are your what are your thoughts? Here's my thoughts. All I know is I'm falling more in love with, with both Lou? of you. With Lulu. <laughs> Sometimes my wife and I will watch a movie. Like we try to be diplomatic. Like I'll pick a movie, she'll pick a movie. Mm-hmm. And I know what kind of stuff she likes. And I try not to do anything. I don't try I try not to put on a racer head for her. Right. But sometimes I will put on something and at the end she's like, you know, she has critique for it. Right. Sometimes she'll have me watch a movie and daddy didn't like it. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, we start to kind of sometimes get into like, well, you're just being negative about it. And it's like, well, I feel like if you've given it your time, you mm-hmm. have earned the right to criticize it. Yeah, of course. Here's here's my actual thoughts. Like we really did the time. I think that this is kind of like a John Cage exactly. type piece where it's not about the music, it's about how you react to it. Which an emailer mentioned that earlier. It's not a uh, an emperor's new clothes thing where like we don't get it. Yeah, there's nothing yeah. to get. It's how you react right. to the music. That's my opinion. When Quentin Tarantino showed Pulp Fiction at one of those film festivals, like Con or whatever, there's a really intense scene where Uma Thurman's character has a drug overdose, mm-hmm. and they have to shove a mm-hmm. syringe through her. Uh, an adre- an adrenaline uh, needle into her heart. It's very. Yeah. I mean, it's like a masterpiece shot. Oh, the, the God, tension yeah. is beautiful. They get this little book out, and, and they make John Travolta do it because he's the one that was with her when she OD'd, and they're in the middle of this living room. And when they showed that film at one of these film festivals, a guy in the front row had a heart attack. He didn't die, mm. but he had a heart attack. They had to stop the movie, ambulance, full-on paramedic shit. Mm-hmm. Once everyone knew he was okay, they continued the film. Afterwards, Quentin Tarantino was asked, how'd you feel about someone having that kind of reaction during your movie? Quentin Tarantino, right. if anyone can imagine his voice and see him in their mind's eye, said, well, you know, I'm glad he was okay. And, uh, you know, but my first thought, if I'm being honest, was this shit fucking works. <laughs> wow. And I told that story to illustrate that, like, yeah, some art is about what it makes people, what it does to people. Mm-hmm. And so in that sense, well, because here's the worst thing a piece of art can do, right? Now, I have listened to Lulu, and my result is kind of a visceral disgust with it. This sucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Some people are like, man, I think this is fucking brilliant. Here's the worst thing for when you play someone a song, when they go, nah. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. yeah. You almost even want someone to have, if they're going to have a visceral reaction and it's negative, you want it to be intense. Mm-hmm. Right. I think what what where the disconnect for me with Lulu is, is take the new Metallica single, right. for example. Lux Eterna, the, the light that shines Real good through stuff. the darkness. Uh, did you see that little Instagram clip of I did. Uh, James mm-hmm. talking about it, and and basically saying music brings us all together, and the celebration of the you know what we have with the audience, right? 
This seems like the exact opposite of that. It's almost, um, yeah, it's abrasive, and it's almost disinviting you from... Or it's loose and come into my world. By the way, my world's kind of this like little dark snow globe nightmare. Mm-hmm. I can't remember the guy that wrote in who said, it's yeah. a Lou Reed album. Right. It's not a Metallica album. That's the only yeah. way to justify it in my mind, because everything else about Metallica is about bringing right. people together. Yeah. This definitely separates people. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's just bringing you into his world, and you're like, okay, but then it's it really is like a dark world where you're like, I can't really find a way to like grow a flower yeah. here. So, how do you feel about one uh, masterful person, Mister David Bowie, saying it was one of his best pieces of work or whatever? I can't yeah. make sense of it. I really can't. Yeah. Now he knew Lou. He knew Lou, and he made Lou's most popular album. And David Bowie's on another plane, dude. David Bowie is right. Was a genius. So maybe yeah. he saw something deeper in it that I couldn't, you know. Yeah. And you know, you know how it is when you're friends with somebody. When you're really deeply yeah. connected to somebody and you really understand where they're coming from and you believe in them, it's going to change how you perceive their stuff. Right. Sure. You're probably going to be a little you're going to see what's better about it than I can and you're also going to be more lenient in ways that I'm more critical. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Don't you think? Don't you kind of do yeah, that with your buddies that. a little bit? Your buddy makes it kind of a good yeah. thing. You're like, "Oh, it's fucking awesome. I love that guy. I love that he made this thing." Yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah. Totally. I love that he referenced a play from <laughs> right. the 1800s. That's just Lou. He's so smart. He's so transgressive. Right. I right, love right. that he's himself. And like Bowie was very much like into an artist having a voice. And mm-hmm. that's definitely, mm-hmm. I mean, there's nothing that sounds like this stuff. No, not at all. And if, and, and yeah. if there's Metallica fans out there when this came out that had never heard a lick of Lou Reed, it's going to be way more shocking. If you had been a fan of the Velvet Underground or some of his solo records, you might be like, oh, Lou Reed and Metallica? I know what Lou. I kind of know what Lou's thing on on a lot of his you know recordings. Here's a question. Here's a big question in on maybe. Does it tarnish Metallica's legacy to have this as part of their discography? I don't I think don't so think either. So. Um, I never thought of it as part of their discography as more of like a collaboration record, more of a Lou Reed record. But I mean, in in some of the new album announcement stuff, they've said like our twelfth album. Really? I saw. I'll have to find it. There was one written out statement that said twelfth album. Huh? Wow. Yeah. I don't think it tarnishes near as much as, you know, Ja Rule, ah, we did it yeah. again. Yeah. No, I think that's what we love about this band is they have the core that we come back to, but they kind of take risks. Yeah. I think people are going to talk way more about St. Anger for years than they are this. Yeah. I don't think it's a, a black mark on... I mean, if anything, I always go back to the thread that we've said on St. Anger before, is like, if they had to make that record for us to get Death Magnetic and St. Anger... And Hardwired. And, I mean, Hardwired, sorry. Then I can I can live with that. Yeah. You yeah. know? I want to blow the, this trumpet until the podcast is over. I've said it for years, That's, but I'm saying it with more and more conviction. St. Anger is the worst album ever by a band as good as Metallica. Right. There's no other band that is as great as Metallica that's made a worse album. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, do you guys understand like the, yeah. what I'm playing with there? Yeah, yeah, we've talked about that quite a bit. You, the you can't the pendulum, when you're at that level, they swung it lower than any like other band. the ratio. Band. Yeah. You can't, I don't think there's anything that comes close. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that is an amazing accomplishment. Yeah. And people are for sure going to talk about it as long as people talk about music. Right. Yes, I agree. That's pretty cool. Yeah. That's very cool. So with that, we're going to send everyone home yeah. to uh, rub some some honey on What's the What's the uh, first Lulu thing Lulu. you're going to listen to post-Lulu this afternoon? I'm listening to a Lou Reed record on the way home, for sure. I might need a Lou break. I recommend listening to it, though. I'm, I'm going to. I mean, I've been listening to this band low. I pretty yeah. much listen to low nonstop. Low's awesome. 
What are you going to listen to? What are you listening to? Um, well, outside of work? Yeah, outside of work, yeah, of course. Man, I've been on a Robert Johnson playlist that mm-hmm. has like all old Mississippi Hill Country Blues guys on Awesome. It. And I've been digging on that lately. That's a deep well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Watching Crossroads with Steve Vai. <laughs> And Ralph, and Ralph Macchio. 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 Yeah, that's right, man. The credit kid. That's man. what I'm going to do this afternoon. Hey, man, put on some Ry Cooter. Have a good time. Yeah. Ry Cooter did all of Ralph's parts. Yeah. In that movie. I didn't know that. That's Ry Cooter doing wow. all of Ralph's parts. Okay. And that's Steve Vai doing all of Steve Vai's parts. Sure. Yeah, yeah Steve Vai did Steve Vai's parts. I kind of assumed that. You mean Steve Vai did Satan's parts. That's right. He was the devil. Well, everybody listened to Transformer and Berlin. Those are the two I recommend. Mm-hmm. Everyone listened to Low, the record, for anyone interested, I'm listening to a record called Long Division, which is one of their first albums. Mm-hmm. You're checking out some, like, Robert Johnson single... YouTube Mississippi Hill Country Blues. Right. And, and check out some some of the, you know, early 1920s, 20s, 30s. Yeah. Old Pretty blues cool guys, stuff. Yeah. All right. Well, everyone take care of yourselves and your families. We've did it. Lulu is done. Now what? We will see you... Well, now what are we... Well, <laughs> is the show over now for good? No. that's it. Do you think I'm just this is the last thing I'll say? Got a heart out here. Yep. <laughs> last thing I'll say. It is no coincidence in my mind that we did the first half of Lulu and then Metallica immediately announced a new record. Okay. Yeah. Just- I think one Mr. Lars heard the Lulu start and he goes, Uh oh. He went, Fuck. That's the end. That's the end for the podcast. We have to put our new record out Good, now. You, they were like going to shelve it, maybe see if they could do something better. They're like, You know what? Put it out. Put out Lux Eternity now. Yep. Drop it now. So because we did part two, does that mean they're going to release the second single? They're safe now because we have a record to talk about, yeah. a, a tour cycle, yeah. everything. Yeah. They bought themselves another five years. A listener last week wrote in and said, because of the new album cycle, we have another seven to eight years of the podcast yeah. to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> seven, eight years. That's true. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for letting us do it here again. It was great Absolutely. to have you back on the show. Of course, Paul is our honorary co-host, not Amen. a guest. Amen. That'll yeah. be that not a guest. And uh, we'll see everyone later. Bye. Peace. Adios. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. If you were our advisor, what would you say? Then I would say, delete that. We and our life is mole. Mole.